Hello, everyone, and welcome to Divergent Politics. I'm your host, Lara Hodge. I'm neurodivergent, and politics has always been my special interest. My husband, Tristan Hodge, is neurotypical and apolitical, so he's here to translate for anyone who isn't autistic and or a hyper-political or hyper-online political enthusiast. Hello, everyone. Uh, we've got a great episode for you tonight. First up, the one bodily fluid you wouldn't have expected in a war zone. Uh, next, we'll get a quick lesson from labor history, which will tie into current labor headlines. Tonight, just how much is that new car going to cost you with the new UAW contract? Mm. Then we're going to try and spot the propaganda of Joe Biden being a mean girl. Following that, we'll have our mutual aid segment. Then we'll jump into political headlines. Tonight, we have racists, liars, and a dead dickhead. Same <clears> thing as always. Pretty much. Um, we don't have any guests today. Uh, but if we did, that would come next. And we'll finish off headlines with an apolitical palate cleanser. Tonight, that's listen to your captain. Hmm. Lastly, we'll wrap up any loose episodes from the episode any loose ends from the episode and end on a positive note. Let's get started. All right. Turn this on. Make sure I get my sound this time. Oh. All right, so, okay. yeah, fun topic. 39 dead Israeli soldiers I've had. After they were dead? Extra, yeah, after they were dead. Yeah, sperm extracted from 39 dead Israeli soldiers. So, like, that's creepy, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. think that's creepy. I don't know if you're religious, whatever, I think that's creepy. It's one of those things that's super easy to collect from an alive person. Seems like a lot of trouble. Yeah. To collect from a dead person. Okay. All right. So we've got a video here. We've actually got two videos on this one. Um, but we're going to do this one first. Israel's military assault and invasion of Gaza has triggered a sperm war. Sperm war. Between the 7th of October and the Sperm's 15th of November, more. 2023, Tel Aviv has extracted sperm from 39 bodies of dead Israeli soldiers and stored them for future fertilization. So there you go. Removed from dead bodies. It's, are, are they also getting it from a bunch of alive people? I mean, like, I'm just, people are having sex and there's like sperm banks and things, but this is separate. Like, but there wasn't a run on the sperm, like a run on. Oh, the bank not that I know of. Sperm bank. Not that I know of. Not that I came across. In so, is it a religious? Uh, Let's get. We'll get into it. We're oh, twenty okay, seconds okay, in, and okay, it's a okay, gotcha, gotcha. several minute video. So we'll get into some of it. Since the not bombing campaign began, the Ministry of Health has been racing to acquire usable bodily fluid from those killed in action. Posthumous sperm retrieval is a deeply controversial issue globally, with some countries yeah. like France, Germany, Canada and Sweden banning the practice. I mean, the UK yeah. allows for sperm harvesting after death if the deceased gave clear approval before passing away. So, does that not make you realize that that's not what's happening? in Israel by the fact that they point that out here. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so they are not like, once I die, please do this. That's not what's, that does happen, but that's, again, not what we're talking about okay. here. Okay. But in Israel, the debate has taken on a new urgency. Before the 7th of October, a court approval was needed to carry out this procedure. But since the fighting began, the health ministry has temporarily suspended the need for court approval. So there you go. Martial law, suspend all Martial law over some sperm. Like. So, I mean, this like indicates that the sperm is more valuable after they've been killed. Oh, yeah. Than it was before. It's, oh, yeah. You're on to something, unfortunately. All right, let's keep going. That's weird. It's gross. So, how does it work? Posthumous sperm retrieval has how, been how possible work? since I mean, the 1970s, <laughs> and existing medical literature says sperm can survive between 24 to 72 hours after the donor's death. 72 hours. You can have a dude dead for three days. And still get his swimmers. I wonder if that has like. I wonder if the like how long a body's been dead has anything to do with like how a baby develops. Oh man. Yeah, and I mean it would. <laughs> I guess that that range is probably very temperature specific. Probably, yeah. You know, the colder it is, the longer. Because I, I know temperature is something that affects sperm. Yeah, that's true. All right. Interesting. The sooner the procedure begins after a person loses their life, the greater the chance of finding living sperm cells. According to the Israeli authorities, there is a 75% chance of finding usable sperm in the first 24 hours. Big odds. That's better than I include using a needle, where a needle is inserted into the testes and sperm is sucked out. Alright, so I'll pause that for all of you males in the audience. I thought it was gonna work. (laughs) We just need to sit there and catch their breath after that. Honestly, if it wasn't on a human, they would just cut them off. That's true. They would just cut them off and freaking squeeze them into something. (laughs) Juice breath the balls. Yeah, if that was a cow, you know, and that was the way to do it, that's how they'd do it. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. All right. Another method is the surgical removal of a coil tube behind each testes, called a epidemitis, and separating their sperm There's from the word. tissue. Mm-hmm. Another option it. is rectal extraction. And then no more, no more explanation. That's it. That's all you have about that. <laughs> I feel like if anything else in this video needs further explain, explanation, it's that method. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's uh, yeah, like a surgical removal or a stimulation. I'm just like, I'm like, did they have gay sex before they were dead? And you're going for the lovers for no? I I don't think so. But like, that's what I mean. We don't know. Not enough information. How do you you get sperm from the balls from the rectum? Like those aren't connected. Like, not to get up to like the throat. (laughs) Even they're not still not connected. I'm trying to think of a. The pee is in the balls joke. Yeah. I, I can't oh. it. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's, ugh, it's a lot. Okay. Wow. Once living sperm has been identified and removed, it is then cryogenically stored. The main issue with sperm harvesting from the deceased are more legal and moral rather than technical. 
Over the last few decades, it yeah. has mulled over legal changes to make it easier for the procedure to be carried out. Before 7th of October, yeah, is Israel like... largely operated on a decision issued in 2003 by the then Attorney General, which it said like that unless contested by the deceased while alive, or if a family member Listen raises an objection, the deceased's consent can be presumed. Consent can be presumed. Like, I'm sorry, unless you have a, like, donor card, right? Like, you can't touch my, or you can't take blood from me if I'm dead without my consent. Let alone spur, like, yeah, I just, oh, consent can be presumed. Unless they opted out. You have to opt out of having your sperm sucked out posthumously. You want another (laughs) example of these guys being fashy? Yeah. Yeah. This is a fashy thing to do. It's all about birth rate. We're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, suspending freedoms is a... To keep the bloodlines pure. Like, it's real. The presumption of what is called is conditional on the deceased having a spouse or a regular partner. So it used to be in the Over the last few decades, parents of dead soldiers who were single have campaigned to have the right to preserve their son's sperm. A Isn't court that order weird? was needed in these cases. Even if granted, there are I mean, still obstacles in the future. As no legislation existed, a court had to decide if there was evidence that the deceased wanted children. So yeah, so if the if the grandparents wanted well, like the parents of the soldier wanted sperm, then the court had to like dig back through the guy's life and see if there was evidence that the dude ever wanted kids. But now they don't even have to do that anymore. That's the court, that's what's been suspended since October 7th. They don't have to go. Weird. Okay. All right, this is gonna but all right. One father, Baruch Ben Yigal. But we, the next video is about this guy. So we're going to talk about this guy in a minute. So okay. listen to this. Who has campaigned to have a new law introduced, says at least 5,000 Israeli women have expressed an interest in his dead son's sperm. <laughs> 5,000 women. Want this one dead soldier's sperm? <laughs> I mean, you five thousand dude ladies want to date that guy. I was gonna but, say, I mean, but like five thousand American women would take Brad Pitt's sperm. This guy's not Brad Pitt. He's sure, sure. I mean, I just people idolize different people, I guess. Yeah, but is there a huge amount of more women in? I know it's not like China, which is the opposite has women, women, but yeah, yeah, that's what I know of. Yeah, it's weird. All right, let's keep going. Draft legislation had passed its first reading in the Knesset in May 2023, which not only laid out the partner's right to use her dead partner's sperm, but also recognised the parents of the deceased's right to request sperm to be used by a surrogate mother if the living partner is not interested in having children. Living partner of dead soldier says, nope, you know what? No, I don't want his kids. That dad's parents, that dude's parents, 
can petition the courts. I want this sperm. I'm going to put it in a totally different lady than his partner and brew myself a grandkid. Um, another option. I just want to throw this out there. Um, stop sending your children to war. Ooh, that's a good one. But they live in Israel and military service is compulsory. Which is one of the reasons you they're know, doing this. Military compulsory could still be could still but be they use that as, as reasoning for doing this. We'll get to it. Oh, okay. Okay. That the, the parents of the soldiers. Like that's the because fact Because they didn't get a say whether he went. Kind some yeah, kind of. As of the 21st of November 2023, this has not yet become law. But after the 7th of October, Israel's health ministry temporarily suspended the currently used legal mechanism until the end of November to make it easier and faster to extract sperm after death. Parents can now request sperm without the need of a court order. I'd just like to make it known that I do not want my sperm harvested. After you're dead? <laughs> Unless it's for scientific reasons. Sure, like that's a you different... You donate your body to science some reason, or something. Yeah, um, You can take any part. Sure. Um, that's but not, not what they're talking not about. Not for that. All right. So this next part, think about all the things that governments don't have money for, right? Think about it. Like, people are hungry, homeless, whatever don't have money for all these things but we have money for this but we don't because we all this but the israeli well, government right they they have all yeah. of our money yeah uh but yeah this is uh this is wild the ministry also set up a 24-hour special unit that coordinates with the military to quickly contact the families of the deceased and move sperm the to the relevant hunters. locations to the relevant locations yeah they're sperm hunters mm -hmm. Yeah, what do you do for a living? 24-hour unit that they set up just for this. Sperm hunter, mid-shift. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. All right, we're almost done with this one. This alpha shit. Birth rates have always been hunters. deeply political in Israel. Jesus. Fears of Palestinians having too many babies and a possible drop in Israeli birth rates have driven policies designed to incentivize Jewish Israelis to have more children. So yeah, Palestinians having too many babies is scary to them. So they, they've uh, incentivized, created incentives. I'm like, yeah, if you're trying to force an ethno state, you better not run out of ethno pure babies. <laughs> <laughs> I just, wow. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. All right, we're almost. Currently, Israel has a very high birth rate, with the average Israeli woman having 3.1 children, well ahead of the UK, France, and Italy. Posthumous sperm retrieval is one way to keep the population growing. Yeah. Or stop sending your children to war. Right. Oops. Or send the women too. <laughs> Jesus, guys. That's silliness. Can't find my thing. I'm going to lose my screen here. Yeah, it just reminds me of, like, you know, yeah. you, you're gaining glory for dying, dying in battle. I don't know. Your kids are more valuable. It's so fucking weird.
weird. All right, so now we're going to learn more about that dad. This is the, the rabbi whose son. That's not a rabbi. Oh, yeah. it's not, yeah. But the yeah. guy whose son. He's trying to get the law passed. Okay. All right, we're gonna list this. this one so gone. not the same guy who had the son that wanted yes. four thousand. Yes, okay. this guy. Okay. So with gotcha, gotcha. a little less than three minutes, so not too long. Um, and one note that this video is from four months ago. Okay. Before the current outbreak happened, he's been doing this since before. Like his son didn't die in this current conflict. Friday, Baruch Ben Gul visited the grave of her son, Amit. Every Friday, Baruch Ben Gul visits the grave of his son, Amit. The Israeli army soldier was killed during a military operation in the West Bank when he was just 21. I was in complete shock. He's my only son. I don't have a father, I don't have a mother, and now I don't have a child. The distraught father immediately gained permission to collect his son's sperm and now wants to use it to create a grandchild. A like, I'm sorry like that you don't have a mother and you don't have a father and you lost your child, but like that doesn't give you the right to play God and like create, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know in his situation, you know, if his if his son really, really wanted kids and that's Oh, that's he didn't. Thing. They nope, that's not 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 that they, it's not that he didn't want them, but there's it's no against his wishes. Though. It's not it's not that it's it was like against his wishes, he, they don't know. He he'll, right. he'll say later that like I think he would say I'm doing the right thing. I think he would want kids. Like that's like you're grieving. I get that. But this is a weird way to grieve. That was a practice that could soon be legal. It's continuity for Amit that there be a child in the world from him. When that child marries and makes a family, he will say, My father was the hero of Israel. But That's what he wants. He wants a grandkid that can be a living memorial of his dad. My father was the hero of his No, your father was oppressing people. Yeah. Aruk Benigal is spearheading proposed new laws to allow bereaved parents of soldiers to use the sperm of their dead children. All military personnel would be formally given the option to provide consent. So one of the um, important issues in the, in the bill right now is the option for the men, single men, to give the consent in case they will die. Okay, this is the big change of the law. The yeah, single men need to consent in case they die. Like, I mean, if they consent to it, I'm fine with it. Sure. I mean, right? Like, this is, I, I think about this the same way I think about people spending $100,000 to look like a cat. Sure. Sure. Whatever. Whatever. Do your thing. But it's consensual. Right. It needs to be consensual. Yeah, a doctor didn't do that to you. Right. Against your... Right. They tried to talk you out of it. Right. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't plant whiskers in you. Right. 
and and again, if it's consensual and that's what you're into, whether it's religious or political or what, go for yeah. it. But this, you can't assume consent. Here. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You can't. Uh, no, you have to like buy just like if you have rally. to temporarily uh, suspend, suspend laws, then yeah. Yeah. Then there's probably something wrong with that. I yeah. The bill has passed its first reading in Parliament unopposed, but medical ethicists warn the rights of grandparents shouldn't outweigh the rights of a child. No shit. Should what not. Is this, so this, child? this guy's going to get into why. Like, that's kind of how I feel about it. Of purpose in life. Is he. Is... Let me back that up because I. Yeah, I messed on a little bit there. What is this child's purpose in life? Is he a living memorial to the dead person, which curtails and narrows his open future? Are the, all the expectations mm -hmm. should be like your father or like your mother? That's a heavy load to shoulder. Because yeah. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah. That, that's not a good reason to have a kid. Mm -mm. To, to, it's a living tombstone. And I mean, are we trying to have a generation of kids raised by their grandparents? I, like, I know that's not the worst thing in the world, but I don't think I'd want to make it mandatory. No, <laughs> not mandatory I mean? for sure, but like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, if the spouses aren't down and right, the parents the are doing it, it's like, like you guys want to start, right? We're talking about someone who's military age, so yep. anywhere from 18 to 30, we'll say. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that puts your parents at, 50? To say, yeah, 50 to 70. Give or take, yeah. you know? Gonna start raising a kid? Yeah. One more minute. Let's do this. Because military service is mandatory in Israel, supporters of this bill argue the state has a moral and ethical duty to support continuity for affected families. But other. So that's the thing. That's what they're saying is because the family didn't get a choice about the, the son serving and dying in battle. Then the state shouldn't get a choice about him having a continuing his family, the continuity of the family. Like, like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I don't agree about the the you know the conscription. I mean, also, I can see like, a gray area if if nothing was done beforehand. But if the person, the soldier, specifically said he didn't want that, well, they, that's not what's happening here. I, I understand. I understand. It, but the, you know, it's how to proceed. Mm -hmm. right? It's how to proceed. And and first, opt in or opt out. Yeah. And well, know. they're not even let. You have to opt out. Is what it sounds like. It sounds like the way they're doing okay. it now is that, you have to sure. opt out. But that, sure. that's but new. if someone opts out of it, that's the end of it. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you wanted grandkids. <laughs> then that's what probably end up taking them to court. Who knows? Right, Others warn of the impact of allowing children to be born into planned orphanhood. You want oh to my, yeah. uphold the rights of families to thrive and to do to do the best they can to have you know the grandparents happy to have memory of the children, but make sure that the children are not a means to that. Right? Like, yeah, dude, this this guy's playing a horn to the shrine of his son. Mm -hmm. Like, this guy is not ready to take on a one year old mm -hmm. and raise it to eighteen. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy needs therapy. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's not normal. Like nothing about no. that. That's that's a shrine. Yeah. It's but like I could even see that you know immediately after. But this guy's been gone a couple of years. I think like I think it's twenty nineteen before. Yeah, or, 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 like yeah. Poor guy, man. Like that's yeah, it, it obviously and I get him. it, but like yeah, it wrecked him. This is I don't know. This doesn't seem like the way to go about it. Right. Amit Benigal's parents say their son would have wanted a child. I think that if he were here, he would say, Dad, what you are doing is so great. And they already have thousands of women offering to be the mother should the laws pass. Alison Horn, ABC News, Jerusalem. Yeah. Again, I don't want to talk bad on on that old man um how funny would it be all five thousand they split it up somehow and then has some kind of genetic genetic issue that'd be funny in all five thousand all five thousand of them all right so now we have now we have a labor history and headline Hopefully it's not as weird. No, and it's short this week because we have a real long, the, the apolitical segment, mm. pretty long. So we're trying to do everything else pretty quick. Put the screen up here. Nineteen fifty-three. Yep. All right. And so the source I don't have been getting the this week in labor history from hadn't updated it yet for this week, so I had to go to different sources this week. So uh, that was today in laborhistory.wordpress.com, and that took me to where I, where I found the info about the topic was stuff nobody cares about. <laughs> we care. Yep. So November twenty-eighth, nineteen fifty-three. 400 New York City newspaper photo engravers went on strike. This represented six of the seven daily newspapers in New York City. Wow. Uh, the reasons were wages and working conditions. Uh, 20,000 other union newspaper workers, so the writers, the editors, mm. the not the not the photo engravers, but everybody else, uh, refused to cross the picket line to go to work. Uh, the strike lasted 11 days uh, and uh, ended with a Three dollar and seventy five cents a week increase in wages. So it was like almost double. So it's like they were getting like three dollars an hour. It was a big jump. So engravers, huh? yeah. And that seems like an intricate job. Okay. So so that's last week. So now we're going to talk about how much. Now that the the labor deals are done uh, for the cars, we're going to talk about how much that's going to cost for each new car. Mm-hmm. So this is the headline. GM says union labor deals will increase costs by $9.3 billion. So if all you're doing is scrolling headlines, that sounds like a shitload of money, mm-hmm. right? That sounds like, and you're just going to, oh my God, those greedy workers, and they're just going to rack jack they're up the price. American yep, companies. Exactly. So uh, keep in mind that this deal drastically 
through the lives of millions of dollars for that price tag. Millions of people. They're, yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, and, you know, the company said there was just no way, there's no money for the wild canceled workers. Uh, so just how much is the price of your next car going to go up? 3000 a car? 5000 Try less than $600 per vehicle for GM. Roughly $575 is the price that they're going to add on. So out of a tens of thousands of dollars of a purchase price, the price is going to increase less than the sales guy's commission. Less than you can save mm -hmm. if you're a savvy haggler. Yeah. Like, yeah. so not exactly the, oh my God, they're going to cost, they're going to be unaffordable. It's the end of the No, world. I mean, how, how, if you buy a new car and buy an extended warranty contract, mm -hmm. the salesman gets more of a commission on that contract than that. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it's negligible. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ford, and, and I just want to say fuck yeah. them because it could have cost nothing if mm -hmm. it came out of profits, mm -hmm. right? Their record profits. Mm -hmm. Is that the next point? It's uh similar to the next point. Okay. So Ford, their uh deal is going to cost them a little less uh for the year, but they're saying that it's going to increase their vehicles uh nine hundred dollars per car. So. Still less than a thousand dollars per vehicle to make sure workers aren't starving um, and their rent is paid. Um, and then this is what they said in the that report: the automaker now expects adjusted earnings of ten billion to ten point five billion for twenty twenty three. At first glance, the reinstated guide looks encouraging. City analyst Ate Michaelia wrote in a note. I botch names. So that's just going to be a thing. Um, yeah, so they're doing fine. They're doing fine. Nobody, nobody in the higher higher ups of either of these companies, they, their life is not going to change mm -mm. in any mm -mm. way, shape, or form. Mm -mm. Like they will not notice any loss. They will not notice a fucking thing except a number on a piece of paper. When what do we say? Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands yeah. of people um, are are better off and going to have a huge change in their life. So fuck. Them. Yeah. On that note. Guess what GM is doing? Don't tell me bankruptcy. Oh no, worse. Share buybacks. <laughs> Wait, what? Yep. Like, look, like the rich getting richer. Yep. Kind of stuff? Yep. Exactly. So, raise your hand if you're surprised. Fuck them. Fuck them. So, clearly frustrated with its languishing share price, General Motors on Wednesday announced a massive stock buyback plan, raised its dividend, and told investors it can absorb increased labor costs from a six-week auto worker strike. On a conference call with analysts, mm -hmm. Barra called GM stock price disappointing for everyone, even with record profits and cash flow. Which is, that's why stocks, that's why money's not real. Stock market doesn't make any fucking sense. It's all about rich people's feelings. Like, they have record profits and record cash flow, and their stocks went down. Like, because it didn't go up as much as expected. It can go up as much as it wants, but if it falls this much short of expectations, then it's, like, it's so stupid. Sounds right. like a bunch of people gamble badly. Yeah. Like, so fuck you. Uh, the company, yeah. <laughs> you you risked and you didn't make as much as you wanted to. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Take a fucking pay cut. Deal with yeah. it. So the company said it plans to buy back $10 billion of its shares over the next year 
uh, about a quarter of its $44 billion market value. So a quarter of the GM shares are out there. GM is going to buy back in the house, which raises the share price. And gives them more ownership of the company. Um, so yeah, they're going to do $6.8 billion immediately. And then it says, the plan worked. At least on Wednesday at midday, GM stock rose almost 13%. Soon as they announced they were going to do this, the stock price went up. <laughs> it's so real. This very real system that we base of, our lives on. A bunch of babies just crying about their feelings. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. All right. Now we are going to have our spot the propaganda segment. This one video? Yes. Uh, no, it's podcast. Oops, we can't see it. It's I'm not even going to set this up too much because it's going to pretty much explain this again. So let's just go right in. As Blinken heads to the Middle East, President Biden focuses on his domestic agenda today. Yeah, he's traveling to Pueblo, Colorado to tout his administration's investment in clean energy jobs and is expected to take some swipes at right-wing Republicans. NPR White House correspondent Deepa Shivaram is in Colorado with Biden. Hey, Deepa. Hey, Layla. So why Pueblo? What's going on there? Yeah, well, there's a couple of reasons. First, he's going to visit a plant owned by the largest wind turbine tower manufacturer in the world. The South Korean-based company is called CS Wind, and they say that thanks to Biden's major climate and jobs bill, they're adding hundreds of jobs in the state in the next few years. So Biden's whole new bring jobs to America uh you know, take, you know, reinvest in America. He's going there to, it's so a foreign, foreign country. Yeah. Wait, it's a South Korean company. Like we, we have become the overseas low wage workforce. Like, and I, I get that it's, you know, Americans getting the jobs, mm -hmm. but it's not going to be the American government getting all the taxes they should. And it's not going to be, those no, there were concessions. Yeah, those there resources are not going to funnel back into the community. Like those, there, there were concessions. There's an and extraction. Those could have been made to an American company. Yeah, you know who would love to manufacture here. Yeah, exactly. So let's keep going. And secondly, Pueblo is in Colorado's third congressional district, which is represented by right-wing Republican Lauren Boebert. She's one of former Trump's biggest supporters and has been a prominent critic of President Biden, particularly on this climate and jobs bill, which she says should be repealed. So that's why Biden is in Pueblo today, to prop up his big legislative wins and to, as you said earlier, take a swipe at right-wing Republicans he's been so critical of. So if you... If you guys vote for her, you wouldn't have had these jobs. Is that is that? No, he's just going there. Like he's literally she, going there to play me. Get rid of these jobs. Yeah, I, he's just going there because. Well, we'll get into it. But yeah, it's a great time of you know 
great use of presidential time, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to go mm -hmm. pick a fight with Warren Fobert. Like, even I have better things to do with my time than pick a fight with Warren Fobert. It's just not worth the fight. A couple hundred yams. It was, it was like 800. Oh, was it? Yeah, okay. less than 1,000. Okay. And in Buffalo, that's a good chunk of the population. But still, there's no reason for that to not be a U.S. company. Like, not that I'm all, like, pro-corporation or whatever, but, like, I'm definitely less pro-foreign corporation. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? All right, let's keep going. Biden is expected to talk about how he thinks Boebert and Republicans like her are a threat to the progress that he says his administration has made. Now, we've heard Biden criticize right-wing lawmakers. He calls them MAGA Republicans repeatedly, but he doesn't often go after individual members like this in their own district. What, what's the thinking here? This is an interesting move. I talked to Adam Green, who leads the Progressive Change Campaign Committee. It's a left-leaning political advocacy organization. He's been meeting with the White House and White House officials lately to talk about the president's economic messaging. And he says one of the things Democrats need to do more of is lean into the fight on issues with extreme Republicans, whether it's about health care or jobs or the economy. I have heard that line since I knew what Democrats were. Mm -hmm. The Democrats just need better messaging. We have I the better- men. I men. We have the better policies. Why can't the Republicans just see that? We just we just need to message better. We just need to get our word out better. People who realize we're the good guys. No, Republicans or Democrats don't need better messaging. They need better fucking policies. And balls. And balls. Yeah, that's the thing. But no, that's the thing. I used to think they needed balls. I used to think they were total pushovers. I used to think they were getting walked all over. And so then I would just be frustrated and mad all the time. And then I realized they're not. They're complicit. Mm -hmm. They're not pussies. They're complicit. Yeah, I think the same thing. <laughs> no, they're 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 willing participants. <clears throat> right. Like they're they're not. Oh, I just can't. Like. Because they don't have the balls, they can't. For I don't know whatever the the secret ceremony that they swear you in, like they threaten your family for mm -hmm. like. I swear they could like, like threaten to like wipe out your great 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 grandparents or something in history, just, like your shit completely <laughs> just like wiped out if you step out of line in Congress. They have the power. They can do. It. All right, this is funny right here. In order for the public to understand the difference between Democrats and Republicans on things like jobs or lower price prescription drugs, we need to see a fight. And Green says <laughs> that generally speaking here, people love drama. It gets more attention. <laughs> and he's In order for people to tell the difference between Democrats and Republicans on these things, we need a fight. Because otherwise... They can't tell the fucking difference. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, they're identical. Yeah, there's no, there's no difference. So we got to pick a fight. So. Yeah, because, I mean, I think we talked about it one or two episodes ago, but, like, on some things, they're both yeah. in the same, you know, of the same, same right. boat or whatever. Usually. And still blame each other. Yeah. For being the other. Oh, one. the Israel thing. Yeah. They're both blaming, both yeah. parties are blaming the other as not being pro-Israel. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. yeah, he says for Biden to go to Congresswoman oh, Boebert's district and yeah. pick a fight with her specifically is a good strategy because of how loudly critical she is of Biden. So this particular trip, in, in particular, might be uh, outsized in its influence and is a is a good down payment on a larger strategy of picking smart fights with Republicans. 
this idea. A down payment on a larger strategy of picking smart fights with Republicans. I mean, I would show up to the Biden Bobert boxing match. Oh, yeah. I'd be there. I, honestly, I'm not sure either of them could pick up the gloves. Like, she is like 75 pounds soaking wet. Like, oh, really? She is like okay. four eleven. She is tiny. Do, do you know? Did she narrowly win that district yeah. that she's in? Yeah, and we're gonna they're gonna talk. Okay, okay. that's that's the thing is actually that's right. You're right there, Caleb. Just hit that idea that we've been talking about of drawing contrasts with Republicans is something that we've heard the White House try to do when it comes to selling Biden's economic agenda. But this is definitely a more pointed way of going about it. And you have to keep in mind, Layla, this comes at a time when recent polls have shown that the public still doesn't approve of how Biden has been handling the economy. So 11 months out from the election, it'll be interesting to see how this larger strategy here of picking smart fights, as Adam Green says, could impact public opinion, especially because this district has a really tight race. In 2022, it was super close. So it's a potential place for Democrats to flip the seat blue next year. So they're talking about uh, we need the contrasts between the Democrats and Republicans. There are only culture war contrasts. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. We're on opposite sides of abortion, generally opposite sides of like, you know, gay rights, transgender rights, healthcare, whatever. But there are no economic contrasts. When it comes to economic policies and plans, they're fucking lockstep. Yeah, they're they're all corporate concepts. Yeah, the the the, the, the Democrats and the Republicans are not two different parties. They are the right and left wing of the capitalist party. Mm -hmm. They're one single party with two sides of the capitalist party, mm -hmm. and then you got like there's not there's I don't like know, else. you know, we're spotting propaganda, but like anytime. <clears throat> They talk about the differences between the two. It's probably yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. So yeah, no, that that's because there is no economic contrast. That's why he's taking the cheap shot mm -hmm. at the low hanging fruit that is Lauren Boebert. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. All right, this is going to be the last little piece. Now, this trip was supposed to happen last month, but got postponed because of the crisis in the Middle East. Does this mean Biden is turning his attention back to domestic issues now? Yeah, that's right. The president was supposed to make this trip out in about mid-October, but canceled at the last minute. But the White House says the president's been working across, quote, a range of issues. In addition to this Colorado trip, he's traveling more domestically in the coming weeks. Uh, they just announced two upcoming trips to Philadelphia and the Boston area. He's working on a range of issues, which is send Israel money and pick a fight with Lauren Bober. Am I missing anything? He's going to get a Philly cheesesteak. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like 30 I will note, though, that during this trip in Colorado, you know, the conflict in the Middle East is still top of mind. There are still protesters that are calling for an end to U.S. aid to Israel, that the president's mm -hmm. motorcade has passed by. Mm -hmm. Of course, we've seen some folks who are also supportive of the president as well. And as Michelle Kalman just noted, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken heads to the Middle East today, which is the last day of the extended ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. NPR White House correspondent Deepa Shivaram. Thanks. So All right. So that's that. Um, but this article or this, you know, episode is exactly the type of propaganda we want to get good at spotting. 
Um, <clears throat> there's a real story here. There was no information. No, no. So None it's NPR. All. You didn't get any information about Biden's stance on any of that stuff. Or they didn't even tell you the number of jobs. Right. They don't tell you what. Name of the company. No, they said the name of the company. Oh, did they? Okay. Or maybe. I found it somewhere else. It's not. I think they briefly mentioned it. But I mean, it's still it. like. But, the, but there's nothing happening here. He's just going down there to brag and pick a thing. There's not. Like, yes, they're they're adding these jobs, but it's not like a big plant's opening. It's not like there's nothing here. So this whole, it's a fluff piece. In and of itself is propaganda, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The framing makes it look like he's doing something. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's going to Colorado. But that is the least helpful thing he could be fucking doing. He could be taking a nap that would be more helpful yeah, than picking like a fight said, with. wide range of issues. Say what they are. Yeah. He's not fucking doing anything. Um, so, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, throwing some mean girl shade just to spice things up. That's, her. That's what he went mm -hmm. there for. So, yeah. but he lost even that high school cat fight because Bobert's response to this trip, I hope there's not a silver alert that goes out for him. <laughs> actual shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Republicans are just better at that. Yeah, no, they. <laughs> well, no, I thought it was. They're just and better funny. at it. I thought it was quippy and funny. Oh um, boy! So Biden is quoting as saying, "We're now investing in America." Yeah, they're they're American jobs, but it's investing in South Korea. Hundred percent investing in South Korea. Yeah. The complicated circle, their allies, you know, whatever. So he must have missed the irony when he said they, Republicans, uh, want to go back to the bad old days when corporations looked around the world to find the cheapest labor they could find to send jobs overseas and then import the products back to the United States. Guess what? This company did that. And guess what? We're the cheap labor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we're worse than the bad old days of of uh, Republicans wanting to like no no we're on the other side of it now we're the, well, I mean, the cheap labor. wages have stagnated here so long so long that that we are yeah we're the, we're the third world labor man. yeah we are it's ridiculous. which is cool because I guess we'll start manufacturing more stuff yeah um, maybe just trying to manufacture our own shit. All right, so that's the end of segment three. So now it's time for our uh, mutual aid signal boost. Um, this segment, we expect to get a lot more fun once we start live streaming. Um, right now, we're still hoping we get anybody to email in and let us know of any groups that we could share. Um, if once we start live streaming, we'll you know read any chats that come through for free. You don't have to pay them, uh, pay for them. And then we'll include any links in our show notes. So uh, that's expect that to pick up as we start streaming. And then, okay. and then, and then we've got the guidelines. All right, so this is fun. Just 
former Obama advisor caught on video reading New York Street Vendor. So I'm going to viewer warning. Some of this is hard to watch. Like, it's it's pretty rough. Um, yeah, it's pretty gross. All right, and then this. Oh, this fucking guy. Yeah. So, so I want to say, I seen a meme of this. It was like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds. And uh, didn't seem that bad. Um, but I, I've also seen a couple of headlines that are talked about. So it sounds like it's real bad. I'm guessing you saw that on Meme Droid, which yeah. tends to be yeah. pretty right-wing Yes, framed. yes it does. Uh, so yeah. you probably saw the only 15 seconds of this that isn't going to want to make you rip out your guts. Oh, movie. fun. It's real gross. So. Yeah. Right, it's short. Buckle up, kids. It's short. It's not even quite two minutes. So. In New York City, a one-time advisor to President Obama was arrested after he was caught on camera harassing a street vendor with an Islamophobic rant. Stephanie Gosk has details. I'm working now, okay? Can you leave, please? The videos are hard to watch. If we kill 4,000 Palestinian kids, you know what? It wasn't enough. On multiple occasions. What's that? Yeah, he's in different clothes. This is oh yeah. This is numerous. No, this goes on and on. He does this over and over. It's why he got arrested finally. Like it's oh, not a one time, yeah, not a one time thing. He keeps coming back and harassing this guy. Yeah. All right. I think it's. I don't know if, it, if we can say worse than four thousand dead babies, but I don't know if it gets worse. Listen. Did, does he ever buy food from him? I don't think so. Probably not. I. I mean, I'd spit in his food. So I was. I'd be spitting in that food. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's listen. Stuart Seldowitz, a former national security advisor for President Obama, berates a street vendor in Manhattan. You're a terrorist. You support terrorism. I'm not some you bro. I'm just working here. Hurling Islamophobic insults. Did you rape your daughter like Muhammad? Did you catch that? Wow. Did you rape your daughter like Muhammad? Ooh. Hey, look at that smile. God, I'm glad this guy is. You know, working in the government that represents me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the good guy side, he's Obama's uh, advisor. Uh, any idea what he does now? But he's apparently still connected. We'll get into that. Let's speak English. That just shows how ignorant you are. Seldowitz also questions... The I don't speak English. That just shows how ignorant you are. Sorry, he speaks a second language. And what's his last name? Yeah. I don't I bet his parents didn't speak English when they came here. Probably not. Or grandparents, at least. Or grandparents, and yeah. Immigration status. Do you have it? American citizen? Yeah, do you have it? How? How did you become an American citizen? At one point, taunting him by taking his picture. <laughs> the 60 Look, I just want to punch that fucking smarmy smile. I just, I just want to reach to the screen and slap them. This is yeah, it's fucking racist. Yeah. 24-year-old is facing multiple charges, including stalking as a hate crime Good. and harassment, according to the NYPD. Good. A different vendor from the truck speaking out. We want to feel safe in this community. We don't want anybody bother us. The incident is the latest example of a surge in Islamophobia since the war between Israel and Hamas began, according to the Council on American-Islamic Relations. The Anti-Defamation League reports a more than 300% increase in anti-Semitic incidents as well. So 216% increase in Islamophobia and 300%, 316% increase in anti-Semitism. How does it feel like 16%? Just the version of error there. 
Um, but yeah, no, people are. I wonder what that number was uh, right after 9 11. Oh, yeah, skyrocket. Yeah. Probably not the amortization system, but there's all mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're almost done with this. In an interview with NBC New York, Seldowitz claimed the vendor supported Hamas. And that's what got me upset. While also admitting some of his reactions went too far. The comments that went beyond him and could be interpreted as attacks on Muslims and, and Arab Americans and so on were probably not appropriate. He may now have to defend himself in front of a jury. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News, New York. Thanks. I mean, you can say whatever. You did it. It's on tape. Like, your, your intent is irrelevant. My control, man. Fuck you. I keep losing my control. What a coward. Because you know what? If those dudes, or dude, if it was one at a time, or they're both in there, whatever, if they were, like, in the building that he worked in and were wearing suits, he wouldn't have said that shit to them. Right. So it's not just the Islamophobe, like there's a, a classist fucking dirtbag there too. You know, this is the help I can talk shit to him. Yeah. All right, so here's some stuff that we didn't find out from the video. Uh, the vendor's only 24. Oh, sweet, dude. Uh, yes. He also threatened to use his government connections to mobilize Egypt's secret police against the vendor. Hmm. Uh, the Mafara in Egypt will get your parents. Does your father like his fingernails? They'll take them out one by one, he said, smiling. Hmm. Yeah. I think they should box about it. Yeah. That's that's my answer to these fights tonight. Just, so, just put him in a ring. <laughs> I bet the 24-year-old will fuck him up. Probably. I don't know, man. Some people are just lovers, not fighters. And yeah, and fight, I mean, but... I don't, you know, I don't want any more violence to come come of, you know, that's what started this to, to in the beginning. Sure. But it's like, so on fuck the, that guy. On man. the plus side is when this went out, um, a whole bunch of people showed up to support the vendor. Sweet. And they just, like, lined up and just sold out of of everything on the truck. Yeah, I bet he does not have a good time in jail. I bet not. I hope not. Yeah. People don't like that shit. <laughs> All right. So this headline's silly because it they don't Yeah. All right. We're not gonna watch this whole thing though, because it's long. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna jump around in here. Reason for that, because unlike uh, the images, all right, Damn, cause, and there's a reason. Man. And only allowed family. What happened? Um, brought to the Palestinians in uh, through the back door when they received them, and then only allowed family members to come in very limited single file in individual cars. And there's a reason for that. 
because unlike uh, the images of celebration, where you, which you might have seen from Ramallah and the West Bank, here in East Jerusalem, Israeli authorities were better able to enforce the diktat of their far-right national security minister, who has, who has deemed the prisoners released today as terrorists. But not just that. He said any Palestinian who celebrates will themselves be charged as terrorists. So, yeah. So they're releasing Palestinian prisoners and then saying that those prisoners are still considered terrorists. And any Palestinian who celebrates the release of those prisoners is now considered a terrorist. You mean anyone related to them? Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Any friends or, I mean, any of your friends or family are going to be happy that you're out of. Right. I don't even want to say jail because that's not what it is. Mm -mm. Right? You were a fucking hostage. Yeah. Oh, and and that I don't know if we're gonna point this out later, but like when they're talking about all these prisoner exchanges, like Israel had all of these prisoners before. Oh yeah, yeah. This was previous. Right? Yeah. Like this is not they're not all new the prisoners. hostages that they took, like that's all that's all they had. Mm -hmm. Right. Israel has thousands and thousands of these people in jail already. Yeah, well, you'll hear it later, but it's more than 8,000. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm sorry if my timestamps are a little screwy, so I'm going to do the best I can. But you're going to see is right here, it takes less than two minutes into the to this segment for them to completely contradict their own headline. Daughter has come home to you, and you have to hide indoors to express your joy. I want to show you this video. Wolf, of a, a daughter reuniting with her mother that was sent to us by the family. Take a listen. But they're very much celebrating, right? Like their whole headline was why you may not see them celebrating but like oh my god the crying the girl just like they're reunited with their mom it's just like they're straight to the humanity it's just, oh, that's so hard what a funky thing to try to dictate right this isn't a sports game you know right the over celebration i mean you know do the dance after the touchdown it's not what this is no no it is not we saw many of those uh, detainees now released, those prisoners now released, rather, being carried on people's shoulders uh, to yeah, the municipality building prisoners. where a number of their family right. members were waiting, as you mentioned, among them 15 minors who were released, uh, being carried up this road on people's Just shoulders like... to much cheering and celebration, even fireworks being set off. We've also been speaking... It's like the uh, only people, good thing they've had. They didn't want to see these crowds. This celebration is not necessary. They yeah, so this guy is on, like, a different side than the people who are celebrating. He's scared. You need to be mindful of us in Gaza. This celebration is wrong. I am torn to pieces. Have a little mercy on us. They can be joyful, but the joy is in the heart because we are dying in Gaza. Have some respect for us a little. So I don't really get all that. Like, there must be something lost in translation there. I don't know. I feel like he's just like I. I think he probably lost somebody. Would be my guess. 
Sure. And he's just like, congratulations, you got yours back. Mine's gone. Have some fucking sympathy. Yeah, for I mean, all these people die. are literally, you know, not post-traumatic because it's currently traumatic. Right. So, yeah, they're fucking scrambled. All right, I got one more little put here. More than 8,000 Palestinians remain in Israeli jails, including more than 3,000, according to the Palestinian Commission for Detainees and Ex-Prisoners Affairs, held under administrative detention, meaning no clear charges and no clear legal process. 3,000 people? No clear charges, no clear legal process. They are the most just. The uh, most moral the, army. The most moral army. The most moral army. I'm sorry. Armies don't detain people who are not combatants. No. All right. So now we have some good news. Yay! Oh, yes. Woo! Henry Kissinger is dead. Finally. Woo! Lived way too long. Yes, he did. Oh, this one I just left in this game. I'm glad that you're dead, Henry Kissinger. It's tragic that you escaped a cell. It's good that you're dead. I only wish you had never been born. Oh, Kissy, fuck you and burn in hell. I'm glad that you died, Henry Kissinger. By falling into a vat of Thank you for your service. Yeah, that's how he died. He drowned in a whole bunch of diarrhea. Oh, kissy. Stay dead. Also, fuck you. That's wonderful. Yeah, right? Wasn't that great? Yeah, nothing of value lost. Nothing. All right, so now a little more good news around the world. Uh, I have a photo gallery of some rallies that have been happening across the world, people standing in solidarity with uh, Palestine. So just some pictures. We're just going to go through pretty fast. Um, but I just I thought we should take a minute. To, uh, so we've got people in Pakistan. Um, they're also in Pakistan. Uh, can you read the descriptions there if they're too small? The people hold mock bodies symbolizing dead Palestinian children during a demonstration. Uh, Effective. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. Uh, and this one, members of women's rights groups hold signs supporting Palestine during a rally in Quezon City, uh, mm -hmm. Metro Manila, the Philippines. Yeah, again, non-combatants. Yeah. Like, I just, I just, I can't stress that enough. Uh, this is another a protester in Quezon City. Uh, various political parties, including the ruling African National Congress and the Economic Freedom Fighters Opposition Party, as well as pro-Palestinian groups or pro-Palestine groups, rally in Johannesburg, South Africa. Look at all those people. Can you see, like, like it just keeps going. Oh wow! Like they're just yeah. It's just yeah, a ton of people. Uh, all those. Yeah, they know a thing about uh, apartheid. Apartheid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah, they're not cool with it anymore. 
So this girl's from Lebanon. I'm carrying this flag there. Uh, people stand near mock objects symbolizing dead children during a campaign to collect donations for Palestine in Gaza. And this is in Tehran, Iran. Uh, in Tunis, they're protesting in solidarity. Uh, Zimbabwe, they're watching a play on the situation. I thought that was interesting. I don't have, like access to news. They're like performing place yeah i mean oral tradition right yeah yeah, yeah. so it was Modern interesting version. to me yeah cool all right and in tokyo uh and that would make some news really fun right wouldn't it yeah, yeah. maybe like the henry kissinger death yeah <laughs> <laughs> you ever watch that reenactment over and over and over oh. in the room where it happened yeah <laughs> I know. I wish I was in the room where it. I happened. don't wish this on anybody, but I hope it was painful. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, once you're in the millions, yeah, I, I, a I higher body that. count than now. Like, no, so fuck that guy. All right. Uh, so students at the University of Milan in Italy, um, banner reading out Israel and military from the university. Uh, in the UK, demanding a permanent ceasefire. Uh, and this is in Stockholm, Sweden, holding uh, signs to boycott Israel. And that's, yeah, so just around, from around the world, support. That's the Palestinians. Uh, uh, All right, so this is fun. This is going to be a cute little video. Exposing the lies of George Santos. So George Santos he has been expelled from Congress. He's the sixth person ever expelled from Congress. And were any of them recent? No, no, no. For a long so. time ago, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. So this is a little long, so we're going to pause and uh, jump around a little bit. That's it. Too much of that did you take? Oh, you did it again on you. I know, I didn't. Uh, That's okay. All right, thank you. Yeah. In your district. Many lies. Lie number one he obtained degrees from, I don't know, that. Baruch. Yeah, there you go. Baruch, Baruch College. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Baruch, that's right. I think that's right. Because I said it later, but I tried to remember that. And then uh, New York University. So, here we go. I put myself through college and got an MBA from NYU and I have zero debt. Nothing in life is free. And the harder you work for something, the more rewarding it is. Today I stand very proud with the bachelor's and master's degree, all New York educated, Baruch College and NYU for my MBA. Santos's website once claimed he got a bachelor's degree in economics and finance from Baruch College. His biography on the National Republican Congressional Committee's website also previously mentioned him studying at New York University. Both Baruch and NYU NYU, however, told the Times they could not find any no, records of him attending. No Santos has since about. admitted to the lies to the New York Post. I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. You know, in one hand, I'll say, like, if he embellished it for some fucking bank job or something, sure. go for it, dude. 
No, but running for Congress. Yeah, dude, you're lying to people. Like, all you have is your fucking word. Yeah. That's all you have in that job. Mm -hmm. I own up to that. We do stupid things in life. Now, hold on. Because if, like, he just slipped that once at a, at a you know, he was talking, sure. you know, no, over like, and over. No, it's in your fucking It's in your bio, bio your videos saying it everywhere. Yeah. And then you try to, oh, the harder you work, get fucked. So lie two is that he worked at Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. Santos' campaign site, which has since been updated, initially stated that he began working at Citigroup as an associate and quickly updated. advanced to become an associate <laughs> asset manager in the real asset division of the firm. His bio also indicated he briefly worked for Goldman Sachs. Spokespeople for Citigroup and Goldman Sachs, however, told the New York Times they could not confirm his past employment. In subsequent interviews, Santos clarified that he instead had worked for a company that did business with the firms. I used a poor word, use of words, but I did work in the industry. In the industry. I worked for, I worked at Goldman Sachs. Yeah, I, I, I used worked... to work for GM just yeah. because I worked on Chevy cars. Yeah. 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 The CFO of GM. I mean, I yeah. just embellished a yeah. little. It's just embellished. I mean, I, in another breath, I'll say, look at that fucking picture and tell me that's a truth telling. <laughs> no. Like, for a number of years. Yeah. All right. So, line three that 9 11 claimed his mother's life. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Do it. It's just. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so far, he's a total fucking typical New Yorker to me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, don't diss on New Yorkers. I love New Yorkers. All right. I love New Yorkers. All right. Sorry, New Yorkers. So here's a tweet that he said on July 12, 2021. 9-11 claimed my mother's life, so I'm blocking so I don't ever have to read this again. Oh, what was the thing? I don't know. It was a response. <laughs> According to her obituary, Santos's mother actually died in 2016, more than Jesus, 15 man. years after 9 11. Yeah. Santos himself confirmed the year of her death in a tweet just months later. Yeah, so then he says, in September. What the fuck? Yo. So, he, he, here, he has a twisted he's logic. He's just also here. not good at it. No, he's got a twisted logic here. Santos later claimed his father was also on ground zero the day of the attack and again confirmed neither of them died that day. My parents were both down there uh, the day of the attacks and uh, fortunately none of them passed. The current version of his website states his mother, quote, survived the tragic events on September 11th, but she passed away a few years later when she lost her battle to cancer. While it is possible his mother could have developed cancer from toxins released during the attack, people are pointing out that 15 years is more than a few years yeah. and that her obituary makes no mention of 9-11. Yeah. What a thing to lie about. Like, so keep getting yeah, it. And I guess the, the point is, like, you know, you're lying about dumb shit. Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't really do anything for you. No, so what you feel else in the are you going to lie about? Yeah. You know, he'll lie about anything. Yep. That oh, man, yeah. I'll no. tell you the fucking sky is purple. If he thinks it'll it, get yeah. him ahead somewhere. Yeah, no, no if he's pathological. If it'll get his food to him faster yeah, anything, while he's sitting in, in any way. Yeah, if it benefits him in any way. Mm -hmm. No, I, I have met pathological liars. Yeah, if, he, if it would get him two parking spots closer to the door, he would throw you under a bus. Yeah. Yeah. 
So now the lie number four is he's Jewish. And you're going to like his wordplay here. Mm. You may not like it. Because he served yeah. No. Oh, good morning. Shabbat this shalom to everybody. Lee has served as an inspiration, as a friend, and as a leader for, for the Jewish, Jewish folks in Congress. Point one point being just two members. So now we're going to be three. Yeah, three <laughs> that was Santos speaking at the Republican Jewish Coalition meeting in Las Vegas last November, noting that with his election, there would now be three Jewish members of Congress. But less than two weeks later, he said this. I'm Jewish. <laughs> cool, man. Jewish. Wow. Again, look at that face, though. Like, I, I think this most times I meet new people. Like, I'm just cynical that way. But I would meet this guy and and not believe a fucking word he said to me. Oh, well, all right. I come from a Jewish family. My mother's family is Jewish. Uh, I grew up and I was raised Roman Catholic. My father's Roman Catholic. And just about a month later, he said this to the New York Post. I never be I never claimed to be Jewish. I'm Catholic because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background. I said I was Jew hyphen ish. Jew ish. I, I mean we just listened to the thing and that's not what he said. No, no, it's not. Shabbat Shalom. Now there's three of us. Yeah. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's he said. What you said. That's what you said, dude. Yeah. And just think, man, like a hundred years ago. This guy could run a country. Yeah, and no, but there's nobody right? with, could nobody could check like, him. There's no yeah, you couldn't yeah. check any of it. He's just got the gift of gab. He yep. just talks his way out of stuff. Yep. But like, sorry, man, you can't lie like can't that. Can't do that anymore. That's yeah. what that's what Israel's figuring out. Like yeah. you can't you can't lie like that anymore. You have the receipts now. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sick of it. yeah. All right, let's keep going. Line number five, his maternal grandparents fled the Holocaust. <laughs> Dude, this guy is like trying to play the ultimate victim. Yeah. But yeah. He wants to, yeah, he wants to be a part of every single marginalized group. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I've seen how socialism destroys people's lives because my grandparents survived the Holocaust. We're no stranger to per <laughs> Socialism equals Holocaust. It's Didn't because you know? socialist was in the Nazi yeah, party exactly. game. Okay, all right, all right. Wow. All right, man. It's too warm in here. I wasn't going to try to do the song, but it's too warm in here. Wow, what a stretch, dude. Yeah. No, it's nuts. And Persecution. I assume this wasn't true to start with. No, like, no, no, no. Even uh -uh. with the stretch. No, not even. My grandfather fleeing Ukraine in 1920s to Belgium, then fleeing Belgium to Brazil in 1940. It's a story of survival, of tenacity, of grit, as we like to call it. According to genealogy records first uncovered by the Jewish news site The Forward, Santos's grandparents Nazi. were both born in Brazil. No, but his parents were born in Brazil. His grandparents. They're born in Brazil. His grandparents yeah. were. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Man. They didn't flee from Germany to Belgium to Brazil during the war. They were born in Brazil. 
Before the Nazis came to power, CNN also interviewed multiple genealogists, none of whom could confirm the claim that Santos' grandparents had fled the Holocaust. Since all of these revelations were made, people in Santos' district have been calling on him to resign. We need to stand together because we do not want to be represented by a clown in Albany. <laughs> he is a total clown. Yes, he's a fucking clown. No, he's not even a whole clown. He's just the clown shoes. Yeah, you're he's right. He is clown shoes. shoes. He is totally clown shoes. He has no no merit. No mm-hmm. no um, nothing. He doesn't stand for anything. All right, we got two more, two more pieces here. Facing outrage, Santos himself admitted to quote embellishing. Did I embellish my resume? Yes, I did. And I'm sorry. The reality is, is I'm human. More aspects of Santos's life have since come into question. Claims about his income, his philanthropic credentials, his property ownerships, his mother's career, and even a claim that he lost employees to the Pulse Massacre. At the Pulse nightclub in Orlando in 2016, which I happened to at the time have people that worked for me in the club. We, my company at the time, we lost four employees. How yeah. dare he? How dare he try to score political points? Oh or man, get- I bet that yeah. pisses her off. Yeah, she's the so this is the mother of one of the shooting victims, and she. Yeah, I mean, it's different, but like it's not that much different than what Alex Jones was doing. Yeah, so the the Sandy Hook. Yeah, people calling them actors and shit and, yeah, like. Dude, don't insert yourself into that. No. Fucking coward. No, it's gross. Gain sympathy by lying about losing employees. Santos is now under investigation by local and federal authorities for misrepresenting himself to voters and for potential crimes regarding his finances and campaign spending. Authorities in Brazil also told the New York Times that Santos is facing charges for check fraud, which they say he admitted to in 2010. All in all, not the best start for Congressman George Santos. The craziness of it all was captured on this parody clip by the late show with Stephen Colbert. Alright, listen to this. You gotta listen to this. It's great. The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, right? Mm-hmm. There. I invented I'm the guy from Quaker Oats, and that's not even all the stuff I am. Did you see a little picture on the thing? Yeah. Love it. Yeah, that was excellent. That is great. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, man. You're in the job, and it's impossible, but I really wish it applied to all of them. Right. You get caught in that kind of shit, you're done. You're just right. done. There's no appeal. You're a fucking liar. Get out of there. All right. So here's we got a list of the rest of his lies that were covered in that. Because that video wasn't even wasn't all of them. Yeah, I know. She started like going into a, a shorter list. Yeah. And I was like, well, there's no, there's much more. No, yeah, we got a list. So, uh, well, first, he used campaign funds at, uh, how you say that, Hermes. Hermes, OnlyFans, for Botox, and for personal travel. He All vain shit. Yep. He fraudulently collected more than $24,000 in unemployment benefits. He committed identity theft and credit card fraud. He claimed he loaned money to his campaign and then used campaign funds to pay himself back. That's stealing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lied about where he went to high school in addition to where he went to college. Which they did technically the video where he went to college. He also lied about where he went to high school. Uh, and he ran a company called Harbor City, which was declared a Ponzi scheme. 
he's the worst human. So oh, he stole his mother's checkbook when he was 19. Typo there. When he was 19 in Brazil. Uh, he wrote like 700 and some dollars worth of bad checks. On his, to his mom. <laughs> like like uh, I said, to get two spots closer yeah. to a parking spot, right? He lied about being a landlord. He lied about starting an animal charity. He stole money from a disabled veteran whose dog was dying. It was a fundraiser for a dog to have surgery. And he stole money from a disabled veteran's dying dog. That's who this man is. And he wrote a bad check to an Amish dog breeder. <laughs> he claims to be openly gay. Um, Bio claims he lives with a husband and four dogs. His spouse has never campaigned with him. There's no record to, of a marriage uh, to a man in New York. There is a record of a divorce from a woman in 2019, and they were married in 2012. And in New York, it, it's legal. Gay marriage is legal. Right? Yeah, it's legal everywhere now. Oh, of course it is. Um, so in 2014, while married to that woman, he sent Facebook invitations to an engagement dinner with his boyfriend at the time. Uh, Santos' former boyfriend said the party never happened because he said no to the proposal. So it seems like he married whoa, this chick whoa, for a green card. Seems like he married a girl for a green card. But we don't know that because there's no actual proof of him being with a guy, but there is proof of being married to a girl. Um, he lied about his five-year-old niece being kidnapped by two Chinese men at the direction of the Chinese government. Wait, the Chinese government told him to lie about that? No, no. He said that the, the Chinese government told two men to kidnap his niece. Was she kidnapped? No. No, whole thing's a lie. Okay. Uh, and then he lied about not being a drag queen. <laughs> so, like, you look so much happier. I'm not yourself. Be yourself. Oh, like, yeah. I have no problem being a drag queen. Like, that's fine, right? We lied about not being one. Uh, we're still going. We're not done. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he claimed he was in the Disney shows Hannah Montana and The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. And in a movie called The Invasion, starring Uma Thurman, but Thurman has never appeared in a movie by that name. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Who are you trying to impress? <laughs> they lied know. about being on Hannah Montana. <laughs> He claimed to help produce Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Is that a thing? But he didn't help produce it. No. Uh, he lied about being a journalist. His campaign charged donor credit cards on file for donations they didn't approve. Mm. So, like, you make a one-time donation, and they save the info and ran it again the next month. Um, and he said he survived an assassination attempt. He's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so that's George Santos. out the politics segment we're going to go to the closing monologue to one of my favorite podcasts it's called best of the left 
um, and they they basically pull uh, clips from a bunch of other podcasts um, on the left, um, pull them around a central topic. Um, so usually there's current ones, but sometimes like if a clip is like from older and it fits, they'll put it in. Um, but I do really like this show. Can't see that. A little bigger. Oh my god. Wait, no. Okay, so this is just a few minutes. Um, actually, but it goes quick. So this is the uh, the episode was beyond neoliberalism. So that's what this closing monologue is is talking about neoliberalism as an economic system. Now to wrap up, I just want to talk for a minute about shifting baseline syndrome, and I will get to the economics, but I first came across this term related to the environment and reductions in wildlife abundance. So the shifting refers to the change in the situation over never, time. Never Before, there were such and such number of birds, and now there are this many fewer, or bears, or insects, or whatever. But the baseline of shifting baseline syndrome refers to us and our perception. Each generation of people comes along and is introduced to the world as it is at the time of their childhood and their formative years. And that becomes our baseline. Right. So someone in their 20s may go out into the world and find it to be a, a wonder of plenty and natural beauty, while someone in their 80s may see the current world as a diminished version of its past it's, self. It's, 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 it reminds me of something. So in, in Alaska, um, I went one time to look at a glacier. Mm -hmm. And you park in the parking lot, and then you go for for a little walk, mm -hmm. and eventually you get to to the glacier, mm -hmm. and uh, it was cool. You know, it was super cool. We walked back there, sure. and I uh, didn't think anything of it. But one of the older people that were with me um, were like, "Yeah, when I first came here as a kid, it was all the way up to the parking lot." Oh, so you parked at it? You yeah, didn't you have to walk to it. it. You know, and and it wasn't. You know, I mean, it was. 20 minute walk. Wow. Like it, it was a distance. Yeah. Like it, it was. And it just receded that much. Yeah, that's how much it had receded. And, and so you were like, this is my normal. normal. Yeah. That was my normal. Exactly. Um, opposed to their, their older version of this. Yep. That's exactly yeah, what it's exactly talking about. Yep. Right. And feel sorrow over that. So the shifting baseline syndrome is the difficulty of each succeeding generation in accurately placing themselves within the larger context yeah, that extends far yeah. back like, before their birth and their own personal experiences. It's like, it's like kids born after 9-11. Uh, oh, yeah. My kids. Like, they mm -hmm. have no... Like, it is ancient. It's did the way World War II is ancient history mm -hmm. to me. Like, it's... I miss the way airports used to work. Yeah, same. Me too. <laughs> For, I remember being able to go yeah, through security. It's, without not, it's not abnormal to, to like, our kids, for example. No, they have no idea. All right. no, our, our kids, even our generation, barely, but like uh, a single parent working, there's no way. You can't even have two parents working and pay your rent, let alone a single family mm -hmm. yeah. income, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's not, not a thing anymore. No, stay at home parent one where their parent work. Not, not unless you've got money, like, mm -hmm. which is great. But all right, so this is a. Bacon. 
this is a, a really good example here. I'm just going to try and let this play through about 45 seconds and try not to pause it. Now, you know, as an example, like maybe you've been re really lucky to have gone snorkeling near a tropical beach somewhere, and you've been overjoyed to have seen a giant sea turtle swimming in the ocean. And that's great. It's an ancient creature that's still part of the natural world and a real thing of beauty. What a world of abundance we live in. But what is also true is that Christopher Columbus wrote in his journals that his sailors were kept awake at night by the thousands of turtles in the ocean bumping noisily into the hull of their ship. Holy shit. That kind of a shift is a lot harder to keep in our minds compared to what we experience personally. Yeah. Yeah. So they probably shouldn't have loaded them all up on the boat for food. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's what they did. They yeah. loaded them up, put them on their back, fucking snack them. Yep. I'm just saying, like, you, you don't think, the, like, you never think about that there were that many turtles at one point. You were just, the ships are there banging into yeah. the ship. just except, like, oh, it, You oh, know, oh, except oh. for 10 minutes once a year on a certain beach, sure. you know, when they're making their dash yeah. or whatever. But, yeah. uh, but they just used to be, yeah. they just used to be everywhere. Like, Yeah, I've been snorkeling in the water and I've seen one turtle. Right. It was super cool. Yep, exactly. Let's keep going. So now we're going to get into how this applies to economics. So this brings us to economics. There's an endless debate about how much money is a good and moral amount of money for a person to be paid for their labor. Mm -hmm. Not to mention all the non-monetary resources we all have to ration out, like access to health care. Right. And as a side note, I do say that on purpose in that way, because it is a myth that we don't ration healthcare in the United States. Yeah. We say that that's something that only happens in countries with socialized healthcare systems, but no, we ration care as well. But instead of rationing it by need, we ration it based on ability to pay. Oh, exactly. But, so yeah. Like, right. Oh, it's the death panels and the foreign, you know, we have that here. Yeah. They're called insurance companies that yeah. deny treatment. Absolutely. But yeah, we're going to get into the, the shifting baseline with that, though. Yeah. Back to the debate over how much people should actually be paid for their work. My point today is not just to argue that a higher percentage of corporate profits should be distributed to the workers rather than the management and the investors, or that worker ownership is a better way to achieve that basic goal, of course but to put that current debate into a larger context and expose how shifting baseline syndrome is playing a role. So, um, there are plenty of people alive today who were born into a world in which a middle-class family with only one person earning a paycheck could build a more prosperous life for themselves than is possible today by a long shot. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But because that was the emerging norm at the time, there was no sense like these people were greedy or decadent or anything like that. But now we live in a time after decades of neoliberalism has been relentlessly making incremental shifts yeah. in economic norms and corporate power in which people both individually in their minds and collectively through how we interact with each other have been taught to do more work and expect less compensation for it. Yeah. So 
basically when the boomers were coming up when you know coming of age growing up it was normal for them like it's been that way for generations to do better than your parents right and so they were you know their parents were coming back from war right like it was it wasn't considered lazy or decadent or whatever for them to have all of the luxuries that they had it was just normal yeah enough money to survive yeah yeah, that was just normal. Mm -hmm. And if you stand up and say that people should make more money or that we should get more time off, the response that we often get is an accusation of decadence or laziness. Right. So if you're at work and you're like, you're not going to work. If you're Thanksgiving, right? Family, family gathering and you're like, Oh my God, my $15 an hour job doesn't pay my rent. And your fucking uncle's, when I was your age, I fucking worked for $4. Well, great. That was $35 now. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, mm -hmm. you don't, you know, it, it's the, okay. the assumption is there was being There's no other way. I, I just yeah. want to point out that medieval peasants worked less hours than we do. Mm -hmm. Because their their masters realized that keeping them fat and happy was what kept them from revolting. Well, that and um, like if you worked them harder, they would kill you. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, they would revolt and kill you. Yeah, yeah. They, they will kill you. Yeah. Um, our, our current capitalists have forgotten. Yeah, there's no fat and happy about it because they were also poor as shit. You know what I mean. Um, but, but that's the holiday holidays and yeah. like so that's why holidays are such a big deal and the yeah. celebrations and ceremonies and blah 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 like that. Yeah, go, you go crack the whip out of them you'll you'll get a little bit more work out of them and then, they're gonna then you're gonna revolt and they've been asking for more and more and more out of us all for yeah. so long yeah. that we're gonna snap we're yeah. gonna lose our shit thanks ronald reagan like this when this mm -hmm. you look at all the graphs of like productivity and wages like you can see right the late 80s is when those start diverging for the first time like productivity is up here wages are just mm -hmm. staying flat like we're and then we get told we're lazy and decadent for wanting to be able to pay our bills. It's mm -hmm. fucking gross. Uh, you, know, you can't say anything, you know, you just get called out. Mm -hmm. But rather than simply debate that point or argue back and forth about the right level of work versus pay versus free time, et cetera, I would suggest that you within yourself sort of interrogate why you think what you do and encourage others to do the same. Have your opinions been shaped by short-term perspectives, hampered by shifting baseline syndrome, or do you have a larger historical perspective? So I would say for us, and probably most people listening to this show, have that larger historical perspective. I mean, anyone you know calling for higher wages, I think, has that, well, hopefully has that perspective as to why they're asking for me. I mean, probably yeah, I mean, not necessarily. Nobody maybe, should but. work full time and starve. No, we should starve in a country that has plenty of food where we throw too, away I mean, food. But, but it's, you know, it's just trying to, you know, pander. Like, yeah. if someone is working full time, I don't care if they're scrubbing toilets. No, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. It doesn't no, they're contributing. They're, yeah. they're contributing yeah. and they need to be taken care of. Yeah. To a basic level, yeah. you know? No, I'm with you. No, it's, it's really sad that we're we're at this at this place. There's a lot of evidence 
that the expectations of our current economic system is causing widespread burnout. You think? Millennials have been called the burnout generation. I've heard us called lots of things. The Spice Girl generation, the Oregon Trail generation, or, but the burnout generation is probably the least cool. I mean, it's one thing after another, mm-hmm. you know, from millennial, what years are that? Uh, exactly. 80, it depends where you look, but I'm like the very, like the second year, so 81. Okay, so um, yeah, you're talking 9-11, up to the housing crisis, the yep. like the pandemic. Dude, we've seen some shit. Yep. No, no, we're like, a, <laughs> we're living through our like fourth once in a lifetime economic yeah. death. <laughs> yeah. And not making any fucking more money than no. we started, mm-hmm. you know? No, making the same and it goes less far. Yeah. Spending's up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good. Spending is strong. Well, yeah, it's because it costs more money for less things. Mm. Yeah, but they're spending lots of money, so it's good. It's good. Spending's good. Let's get that. All of this coincides with the rise of the gig economy and the the grind set, the idea that to get ahead, one must simply work harder, claw and scrape at every opportunity to earn money. And it has gone so far that people who suffer from clinical burnout, who need desperately to take time away from work to rest and recuperate, feel like to do so would be selfish. It's you when we met. A day off to take care of yourself when you're sick is not selfish. And we're taught that it is. We're yeah, constantly yeah. beat into our heads that it's not. Yeah, like, I'm a man. Like yep. I was raised fucking go to work. Yep. Take you care. Know, if you don't feel good. Oh, well, no, I actually had a saying for this. It was, uh, you know, I can feel like shit at home or I can feel like shit at work. I get paid to be in one of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, you, you have to t- take time and rest. You have to. It's like people get sick. It's a human body. It's like get sick. We need downtime. It's real and decadent. Well, I mean, yeah, yes, but like sometimes to some degree, you need medical attention. Right, that too. That's a separate. If you're burnt out to a degree, like you, you need medical attention. But you ain't fucking got any because you're part of a. Burnout is that you don't need medical attention. You need time off. That is the recipe for burnout. Is fucking rest. Like it's not. You don't need drugs. You don't need to go to. You just yeah. You just need to fucking stay home. And we can't. When you push yourself so far past that, then you end up having a mental break, and then you need medical treatment right Right. but like that's preventable if we could just keep it from getting to the burnout level which we can't do so all right let's keep going the culture of neoliberalism not just the economic policies but the culture the collective mindset the judgment from other people has created this toxic stew where doing something that is healthy for ourselves is often looked down on hmm must be nice Someone might say, you know, dripping with judgment when a coworker suffering from crippling stress and anxiety finally decides to take an extended vacation. Meanwhile, the culture of neoliberalism congratulates those who have amassed hundreds of unused vacation days. Good for you. Never miss a day. Grind it out. Build that wealth. Right. Yeah. So it's just. Uh, we've all done it. Uh, my 
cousin did that to me, you know, called it a week ago. Man, I have this girl. She's my work. She's so lazy. She's just demanding her 15-minute break. And I was like, nope, you're wrong. She gets her break. Like, yeah, you don't know what's going on. It doesn't matter. I was like, you don't let your bosses push you to make it think that you don't need your break. Mm-hmm. Like, no, all you're doing is feeding into that. And she was like, oh, fucking hell, you're right. No, bullshit, I want my break. Yeah. <laughs> but I know we all do, like, we've all done it. I, you know, not recently for me since I've started becoming, you know, engaged in, but I definitely would roll my eyes at the person who didn't work as hard and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, instead of having any kind of empathy or grace for what they were going through. It was just like, man, why aren't you working as hard as I am? And, and you know, I'll, I'll even throw out there, like, I recently got a job that is going to gonna ask weird times of me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, any of those weird times are at double time. Yeah, that's like, cool. Like, they're like, we appreciate your time, and if you're going to give it to us outside of normal work, we're going to make it worth your while. We're going to make it worth your while. Yeah. yeah. You know? Great. Not shame you into <laughs> if you don't do it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, that's what we're in. Yeah. It is a cultural ratchet that only turns one direction. And it's not just the rich and powerful who have somehow brainwashed everyone into thinking that overwork and underpay are laudable. We now do it to ourselves yeah. and each other with every little judgmental comment, every suggestion that not taking that vacation is the path to promotion. And it all drives people know. to work Anything. ever harder and expect ever less. Work harder. Expect less. Work harder. Expect less. It's like my entire life. Like, best way to police the workers is make them do it themselves. Yeah, right. Ugh. Well, let's finish this up. We got some more. The only way to truly shift the economic system is to also shift the culture around it, to call bullshit on the premise that this is the best we can do. I like that. Call mm-hmm. bullshit on the premise yeah. that this is the best we can do. We can apply that lots of places. Because, like, and that goes along with what I would say, like, people say, well, that's the way we've always done it. That is a terrible, terrible. fucking reason to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, always question if there is a better way. Like, Especially we, if that's the excuse. Right. We have we have not reached the epitome of, of human civilization. No. Like there's still better ways to do things. Not while there's still starving people. Exactly. That corporate profits and the carrots of possible raises and promotions hung in front of us are things worth sacrificing our health for. It's a sort of mass delusion. But it's an understandable one because most people working today grew up in this environment and never knew anything different. They didn't live through the time of enormous union power that helped keep corporate profits and labor wages on track with one another. They've mostly lived through this period of corporate power, record profits, and flat wages. It really is understandable that people would simply adjust to the new baseline the same way we adjust our expectations about how many turtles we should see in the ocean. This is how the world is. This is how the world works. Adjust in in the in the breath that now both parents have to work. You know that that was an adjustment, a sacrifice. That's not. I don't think that's what he means. No, that's not what he's getting at. They're all back. 
with one another. They've mostly lived through this period of corporate power. No, the baseline is shifting. We are not shifting. Listen, it's an understandable one because most people working today grew up in this environment and never knew anything different. They didn't live through the time of enormous union power that helped keep corporate profits and labor wages on track with one another. They've mostly lived through this period of corporate power, record profits, and flat wages. It really is understandable that people would simply adjust to the new baseline the same way we adjust our expectations about how many turtles we should see. In the- so you're talking about like, yes, we had to adjust, but I think the, um, the adjustment he's talking about is our the- baseline adjusted that both parents working is normal, whereas the old baseline was yeah. stay home and raise a family. Yeah, That's I think it's I, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not not the fact that the society adjusted to that, but that it's normal. Yeah, yeah. No, like, it's normal okay, now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, that's. I mean, more than normal, like required. Almost, yeah. It almost required to the point where, like, if I know know a dude has a chick that don't work, it's like, man, what do you do? Yeah, right. Like, must be nice. Must be, like, how do you do that? Yeah. See, and I just did it again. Must be nice. Talking yeah. down to the other, right? Yeah. You did it right exactly. now. Yep. Yeah. It's so easy. Well, yeah, they should be good. Actually, good. Like, actually, they good figured for something you, out. Right? Yeah. yeah. It shouldn't be like a, a sarcastic. A jealous. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it is. It's jealous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I saw a meme came up in my uh, whatever memories or whatever. Um, I was like, you know, I'm not jealous of the the riches money. I am jealous of the fact that they get to pursue their dreams without having to work a 40 hour a week grinding job to do it. Mm-hmm. They just get to go do what they want. Mm-hmm. You're jealous of the leisure that the money brings, not the actual money, not the stuff, not the cars, mm-hmm. not the, the, the houses or the maids or whatever. No, the, the leisure, mean, the free time. I would love to try 20 different hobbies. Yeah. There's no way I fucking do that. I can't support one hobby right now. Because you're not ADHD. Well, that too. <laughs> I've started probably 20 different hobbies over the last two years, but no, not all at once. I know it's you can't afford you can't, to no, try yeah. 20 hobbies. No, is my point. Yeah, no, you, and you don't have to. Time wise or money. Money wise, yeah, time is the bigger thing. So even if you have the money, you spend 60 hours at work. When are you going to do that? Yeah. yeah. Too tired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, we're close to done with this one. The ocean. This is how the world is. This is how the world works. This is what I need to do to survive. Let's get on with it. But history shows that it's always worth trying to find ways to improve the situation for the vast majority of people on a structural level, not just by encouraging everyone to work harder and meditate more if they're stressed out. But we also need to use our imagination. You cannot solve systemic problems by individuals changing what they do. Yeah, I mean, just look at the number of hours worked. Mm -hmm. Like, it's easy to falsify the idea that we're lazy. Right. Right? Like, it's easy to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Like, the average amount of hours worked have done nothing but go up. Go up and up and and up up and up and up. And productivity with those hours worked. And productivity with those hours and wages and and buying power. Corporate profits. Down. But corporate profits yeah. have gone up with yeah. that. Like, we're, the workers are the only ones not seeing gains in there. Ridiculous. Yeah, to strive for something unfairly exploited. Mm-hmm. But then you get the people, the fucking, like, the exorbitant libertarians are like, taxes are theft. Like, fucking, like, your entire paycheck is being, like, 
you generate 10 times as much value mm -hmm. for your boss as you get back in a wage. Mm -hmm. Like, so that's where the actual theft is. The what you have to pitch in to have paved roads and snow plows. Sorry, fucking cry to me. But the, the taking your all of your excess wealth you're generating and giving it to shareholders instead of you is what's, mm -hmm. that's what's doing it, man better even if the past is better yeah. than the present why would we imagine that that's the best we could do the past should be inspiration not a blueprint and we need to be guided by human needs more than any economic metric That'd be nice, wouldn't widespread it? burnout stress and anxiety the these are symptoms of the disease our economic system and the associated culture aren't the only problem but they are a real big part of it so we have to work collectively on breaking the delusion that we've been doing things right for the past few decades. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is a mass delusion. That, like, no, this is things are going well. This is just how it's supposed to be. It's like that meme with the dog sitting at the table and the whole room's on fire yeah, behind yeah. him, and he's like, "This is fine." Yeah, that's his shifting baseline. He walked mm -hmm. into there and it was on fire. So oh, he was, was born in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. born in the house on right. fire. So that's yeah. it's fine because that's what he's only. only yeah, this is fine. This is normal. And that any problems that may arise, you know, people being stressed out, people going bankrupt from healthcare costs, anything in between, that, you know, these are just problems to be dealt with on an individual level that maybe you should have just worked harder and clocked a bit more time on that meditation app. So, yeah. That's... Yeah, that, that whole thing's irritating. Like I said, just just look at the hours worked. It's we're not lazy. It's not being compensated. I'm missing a I'm missing a segment. Huh? I had a whole segment put together about uh this couple in Pennsylvania using child labor at their fleet of McDonald's. Hmm. I guess I don't know where it is. I can't find it. But they had there was uh, some like thirty five kids um, between the ages of fourteen and fifteen. Um, where is it? It's just gone. Um. And they were using them before 7 a.m., after 9 p.m., um, over 40 hours a week, on during the summer, over 20 hours, like, nine hour day, like, and they were kids. And um, there was over several months, this, whatever, and they, they ended up paying a fine of, like, 160 That was their thing. Fucking violating children's labor laws for forever systemically System yeah exactly right like not not oh shit i didn't have jimmy clock out on time he yeah. worked a little extra time yeah. no systemically yeah. planned on purpose i think we call that uh premeditated yeah jesus guys they should lose their business they should no for sure because, like, I mean, realistically, you didn't just overwork those kids. You put them in danger. Right. Right? We don't work children those amount of hours and at those hours 
for reasons because right. it's dangerous for them. It's not good for them. I'm just gonna... yeah, man, I and kind of things. So I'm just going to show this. Be responsible for any detriment to their grades. But yeah, so operators of five McDonald's locations in Western Pennsylvania found to violate child labor. I'm sorry, I had this all put together. Five locations, yeah. and it was 34 kids. Yes, yeah, so that is a good chunk of the fucking force. Right? Yeah. So here we go. Uh, Indoor Inc. owned by Paul and Megan Sweeney, based out of Cranberry Township, employed 34 children to work later and longer than child labor laws allowed. So. These are the specific violations here were before 7 a.m. and after 7 p.m. during school year, during school hours. Right? How are you going to have kids working during school hours? I mean, it's easy. They're not in school. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, more than three hours on a school day and 18 hours later during the week and more than eight hours on a school day. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know that I have all this put together on some crazy little slides. Oh, no, not even $126,000, just $26,000. That was their fine. $26,000, less than the, the salary of one worker, or right about the salary of one worker per year. Like, that's their, their whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a $10 an hour wage. Right. Jesus, guys. Yeah, they, they should be losing businesses. They should, indeed. Oh, and, and, you know, the penalty wouldn't have been any worse if one of those kids died. No, probably not. All right. So now we're going to get into our uh, shameless promotion here real quick. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to support us, we've got several ways you can do that. First of all, we've got merch. Let's show you Actually, before you get into that, let me say one thing. Yeah. I didn't think about this before. If those kids were homeless and weren't in school anyway, they may have asked for those hours. I don't think that's the yeah, case. Yeah, I don't either. But I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Like, if I was homeless in 14, I would be really glad someone would give me a full 40. Right. When they're not legally allowed to. Yeah. Sorry, I'm moving things around on here. Sorry. No, that's Sorry. fine. I got, no, you're fine. I just got things around on here. So, um, Here's our products. We've got t-shirts, tank tops, uh, notebooks, stickers, pens, but they're not the notebooks. Um, aprons, hoodies, drinkware. Um, and I know the prices seem a little funky, uh, but that's because uh, when the default prices were different, uh, what the creators got were different for each product. So we decided instead of trying to steer you towards more expensive products, we would just set the, the prices so that for every item you buy, we get $10. And I'm aware that probably none of you are going to spend $14 on a sticker. Uh, but that's okay, because you can get a free one. We have blue, gray, black, pink, and green. So all paid memberships include a free sticker. Just tell us where to ship it and what color you want. You'll also get an ex invite to an exclusive monthly bonus episode we're calling Rant and Ramble on Rumble. Um, check out Patreon for the different tiers. Uh, you can also sign up for the middle tier on Substack, which has an option for an annual discount. Um, we've even got a tier out there for those of you with fuck you money. 
Um, and if you can't find contribute financially, I feel you. You still play a vital role here. Liking, subscribing, rating, and sharing our content is the most helpful thing anyone can do. Seriously, subscribe to that YouTube channel. Um, you can also sign up for free at Substack to keep in touch with us. Uh, not just an email newsletter. They also host our show notes and the podcast version of this show. Uh, links to all of those things and more can be found on our website at divergentpolitics.com. Any so, support will keep us from having to work at McDonald's. Yes, exactly. Uh, all right. So now, awesome. now let's get into the uh, a political palette cleanser. Um, I'm trying to keep this all a little shorter, but it didn't happen because this is kind of a long segment. Uh, but if I cut any of it, it didn't make sense. Mm. So I did try. So you may not think it makes sense anyway. It's kind of long. All right. So I found this headline on Fox News, as you can see. Um, William Shatner makes impassioned climate change plea ahead of COP28 summit. We're all going to die. Shatner blames stupid human beings for the threat of extinction. Love it. So I was reading the article, and it goes through. Oh, first of all, yeah, I don't know if you noticed. Even Fox agrees that this isn't a political topic, uh, climate change. Uh, they said it's culture. You can see back here. They've got under culture, okay. not politics. Sure. So I think uh, it's for a different reason. But move on. So the article in the interview where they link to, I'll show you. So yeah, here's the link right here. They were like, hey, he issued a dire warning, right? So you click the link to go to this interview, right? And it takes you to foxnews.com. It doesn't work. The link doesn't work. Mm. So then I went and I tried to just find the video on my own. Oh, hold on, I'll get to that. So, okay. So yeah, I agree with Fox that this is not a political video. I disagree that it's a culture video because I would catalyze categorize this specific video under religion. You may or may not see why. Um, okay. you know, the other thing you're not supposed to talk about in polite company, we're going for it. All right. Um, so today we're getting a spiritual talk from the least likely of all sources, Captain James T. Kirk. All right. James. Yep. So what well, this is when I tried to find the video, I went to YouTube and I just searched William Shatner climate change. And then this is the video, just one single one, and then eight months ago was the next most recent time anything okay. so this was not a not anywhere video this is good morning britain this is not i haven't heard anybody else talk about this here interesting so all right it's long we're gonna get into it oh, all right cool perspective of our planet and that is because you went to space two years ago you also made history because you were the oldest person to do so can you describe what you saw at the time what happened to me going up into space uh, on JetBlue supposedly this is uh, something that happens to a lot of astronauts was really profound and complex I was so aware of how small the earth was and how tiny we are and that went along with my whole lifetime of talking about uh, 
extinction and how so, sacred all, all life is. The and this is interesting to me that he life. talks about having a lifetime of that. And it's like, that's not been my experience with William Shatner as a person. Like, he's definitely more, I don't know, uh, come across my radar as more right wing conservative. I can't honestly um, say I know much about him personally, like but, even as a big Star Trek fan. But yeah. Like, I know he feuded with George Taki and or Takei, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, my bad. No, that's all right. Uh, that's delicious. <laughs> one of those things you read and don't say all the time. Right. But, uh, no, I, I honestly have no idea. So this, it's, dude, this seems more like it, he got it when he went up in the spaceship. Like he had a religious awakening. Yeah. The the happenstance of life from the primordial oceans is a miracle that we just, you know, we see a bug or a fly or another human being. We're so inured to it. We lose the intensity of the discovery. You're a human being. My God, the complexity of you. You're a worm. How did you happen? What is a worm? What is an insect? How did the everything in life with this imperative that it has for life. It doesn't finish a lot of sentences. The growing on the tree. I'm going to get up there. The, the cypress tree clinging to the cliff. There are a thousand years of storms. Oh, I'm still here. Life is like that. And we are extinguishing life. There have been five. So, yeah. that's Basically, he went up on the spaceship, saw Earth for what it was as a whole interconnected mm -hmm. series of not individual creatures. Um, and so that's that's pretty common that happens to astronauts. Apparently did not happen to Jeff Bezos. I was really hoping he was going to get some perspective when he went to space and he came back and said thank you to the... Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of uh, the famous uh, picture, Pale Blue Dot, mm -hmm. um, that was taken by the Voyager spacecraft. Yep. And uh, you are they didn't want to do it. You know, they didn't want to take the picture. They said it had no no scientific value. It wasn't important, yeah. you know, to, to risk the spaceship to do this. And, uh, yeah, seeing the Earth as a teeny tiny little dot on the other side of a planet. Yeah. I mean, for me as a kid, like, that was a big deal. It's huge, right? Yeah, it was a big yeah. deal. But a lot of what, what I have my kind of, you know, religious awakening, like the way the, the world works, uh, I didn't. I didn't understand that most people don't see the world that way. Most people do see the world as individual events and individual things and mm -hmm. individual creatures. They don't see the world as one. Like they're way. reading a book about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're the main character. Right. They're doing the narrating. Yep. All of the, the processing most people, is in Most your head. people don't. Yeah. No, no, no. And so for me, that was interesting because I've always seen the world that way and thought of the world that way. Um that sure. was, let's go through this because this is gonna take longer to stop and talk to you. Extinctions. And this one we're working on this mankind caused is the sixth extinction. And at yeah, its great worst, extinction events over years. It's going to be terrible. At its best, it's going to be terrible. So do you seriously believe that we're heading towards extinction? You don't understand. You don't understand that you this, let this guy dubious a times. It's funny. thought in your mind is like painful to me. Insects. Are yes. yes. We're heading towards yes. extinction. Heading yes. Towards yes. Extinction. yes. Very simply. It's, 
it's it's the reason the earth is alive. Yeah. Insects. Millions are going extinct. We didn't even know they existed. Things that lived. The if you get a picture of how but sacred. Here's the thing. All- He's saying things that we didn't know existed. No, it's things that you didn't know existed. People did. Mm-hmm. Lots of people mm-hmm. have been preaching this from the rooftops for four decades. Yeah. Like we're destroying our planet. We're wiping out the species. Like this is people knew this, and I'm really mm-hmm. glad that you went up in a spaceship and figured it out. Not everybody gets to do that, though. Mm-hmm. Like, the rest of us have to figure it out from down here. Like, I mean, you want to go there, but it's like the whole Star Trek mythos, man. Yeah. Like, you didn't you didn't get that from from literally going places right. with different. Like, come on, man. All life is, and life as uh, it, it was tough. It evolved over tough. Uh, conditions of something yeah. that survived now, what three billion years, and it's still a, and it's and it's a genetic structure is still going around. That's an incredible thing. It is an incredible thing. And but they've gone, not... they've gone. A lot of them have gone extinct, and we didn't even know they existed. We don't have an exact. We don't have an example of well, this existed no, once. We, you know, we don't. We don't but... have the saber toothed tiger in a tar pit. We the whatever lived lived and died and is gone, and we <laughs> he's stupid, so indignant by human that. beings don't even know they existed in the first place. I, I just have to stop and point out that just like incredible angry grandpa vibes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. We we definitely knew they existed. The saber tooth tigers that we found in tar pits. But you don't think it's an overreaction to say that we're digging our own graves? And no, we're... no, no. It's not dramatic no, enough. No. We're we're borrowing into our own graves. Really? I would agree with that. I'm really? so yeah. unhappy that you... Where the fuck are you from, man? How imperative this is. Well, at least you and William Shatner are on the same we're page. We're dying, man. The seas are going to rise. You think I'm an idiot? Oh, this idiot actor going on about it. This is an accredited fact. To me, I'm stupefied that you, as you're, as being a reporter, are yeah, filled with that... Passion. What the fuck do you do for a living? We could say one questions. leader of like, carbon dioxide. I mean, it's, so, uh, it's terrible, there's a difference it? between asking a question and looking and playing visibly stupid. fucking confused. Yeah. You really think we're on our way that way? Yeah. That's yeah. different than, than, so just to clarify, right. were, sure. it, that's, that's different. Yeah. This this man is confused. Yeah. Like he is, he does not believe that. He does not believe that we are losing thousands of species a day and whatnot. Just carbon dioxide. The North Pacific is filled with plastic. Are you aware of that? Great. And things that live are eating it because the plastic is moving up and down with the action of the ocean and becomes little minute pieces of plastic. And it's floating all over the earth. And every animal that eats babies are being live, born. Human babies are being lives, born with plastic. Breathes. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, it's you don't. Nobody you, cared when it was bird babies. Failed to grasp no. the dire situation. We're talking about 20, 30 years. We're talking about. Are you married? No. Are you going to get married? Do you want Possibly. children? Possibly, yeah. You want you want children. Mm. Your children are going to have difficulty living. Do you understand that? <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> I just like the way he said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We are in real time watching the brutal reality of what climate scientists told us would happen. There were more than 4,500 heat-related deaths in England last year, not to mention those rivers breaking wildfires in your home country, Yeah, Canada. it's getting it's bad. Bro. What's it like for you seeing all of this happening? Blank statement. Everything's getting hotter. And the hot yeah. places, like Death Valley, the 137 degrees, something like that. Unbearably hot. Mm -hmm. You can't live in it. You, one can't live. Meat cooks start cooking at one twenty-five. Kind of when you're outside in one twenty-six, literally South America. I mean, there's no place except the Himalayas, which are getting less moisture. Uh, you can escape it. You can't escape it. You can't escape it. So if you can't escape it, we humans have got to fight it, and we've got to fight it now. Yeah. Except we've been saying that for yeah. forty years. Really need the adults in the room to do so. I mean, again, I don't know how his stance has been on this for a long, long time. You know, I hope it's not just since he went to space, but like, what are you doing about it, dude? Yeah, he says you, you have a hell of a lot more power than the average person. Instead, the this only thing I doing. the only thing I know he's done in the last thirty years is fight with a dude from his old show. Yeah, yeah, he's going on Good Morning Britain and talking to this guy that. What would you say to people who say there's no way I mean, that space cool. travel or exploration can be good for Earth right now? Well, it's, it, it's difficult, but the answer is equivocation. Yeah. That, <clears throat> that getting people out there and like myself, oh, I was in space. Oh, you were in space. What's it like? And you talk about, wow, there was, a, you know, the weightlessness and this. And, and it was really... If you keep the attention... If the publicity of getting up in the air, personalities, oh, yeah, I was there. And somebody says, oh, space. Somebody in Poughkeepsie says, oh, space, yeah, that's, I'd like my child to try that. And I'd like to see if uh, somebody I know could invent X, Y, and Z to purpose that, the help of Earth. So the advance in engineering and chemistry is going into space. So you need the impetus, impetus to go into space because you got to find a new, new uh, rocket fuel. Yeah. So that going. This is what this segment I like. Allows you that chance. Very black going there may stifle. Yeah, I mean, he's an old reason. man and he's not a scientist. Yeah. What sort yeah. of changes have you made in your life? Because you're so passionate about the climate. So here, here. But it's you. What are you doing differently now that you perhaps weren't doing five, ten years ago? I haven't eaten meat in six months. Well, I was had a had a hamburger thing. I got the the other plant made, the vegan thing. Cows account <laughs> for a huge amount of pollution, not mm -hmm. just what they eat and all that kind of thing. Oh, but they're passing gases. That's methane, and methane is more hazardous to your health than the carbon dioxide there are methane nodules that's not necessarily true. that every so it's, it's no, more it's, harmful it's, as a greenhouse gas right it's a it's a better insulating yeah. gas so that's why that's, it, it is better insulating um but it doesn't last as long no, so it, like we could literally we could do something about that like but we since can't it's CO2 not as, yeah. co2 like even if we stop making it it's gonna keep we have to sequester some of it right or it's gonna continue to do its thing yeah methane is one of those uh, shorter gases that like 
they look for it for signs of life mm. because it, it doesn't it doesn't maintain itself in an atmosphere. Oh, gotcha. So like it, if, it, if there's nothing, then there's something it's very there that's reactive. producing it. Gotcha. Makes sense. All right. Yeah, I, I want to say it's under five years or something gotcha. like that. It's a very short. Maybe it's ten. I can't remember. It's heating up. There, they have been in the deep freeze. They explode. Boom! And a cloud of poisonous air floats to the surface of the water. It's crazy. It's crazy danger, and 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 you don't know enough to turn your program into you know. You live with this guy, have it. Whatever is. I mean, it does. So just maybe don't I've convinced you. More. No, I think you have. Let's look ahead to COP twenty eight, which is coming up very soon. All right, so yeah, COP twenty already happened now. Bull in this. Sure. So. What is your message to them? The people of the world have got to recognize that you are hopefully beginning to recognize how dire it is. There's no time to delay. We've delayed. Oh, we have all delayed. We, can. we have done We've the incremental bullshit. Everything that is humanly, humanly possible to cleaning the air and putting nature back to what it was as best we can. It's <laughs> very forgiving nature. We, uh, but we, we. Denied the existence of man bear pigs so long to where it killed 4,500 people in Great Britain. <laughs> in one year. In one year. Yeah. yeah. We've kicked the can for a while, guys. No, it's, it's bad. Yeah, as he said, life is very forgiving, or nature is very forgiving, but we're killing it. Mm -hmm. Like, if we would just fucking back off, it would fix itself. But we gotta and let's it. be clear. It will fix itself. Mm. Whether humans are yeah. a part of that fix or not is going to be the question. Because the average temperature on the Earth could be 300 degrees Fahrenheit, and there's still going to be stuff that's living. Yeah, it it's just, just not going to be humans. Yeah. King Charles, who's of course the head of state yes. in your home country, Canada, yes. will be giving Charles, the opening. He's Canadian. Will be giving the opening address, so he will be opening the summit. And a lot of people have criticized him and said, "Listen, because you're now king." You should be politically neutral. No, he's got to say, "We're right all going backwards. to die." Wait, wait, wait. Why should the king be? What? What the fuck do they do? Not rule. That's parliament stuff. So he didn't take a political. I, I don't know how that shit works, I, man. Why the fuck? I want you still to have a king. I'll this never understand. You should be politically neutral. No, he's got to say, we're all going to die. <laughs> we're all going to die. Excuse me? We're all, we're all going to die. You'd like him to get yes. the message across. Very quickly, we're going to die. Much sooner than we expected, we're going to die. Listen to this accent he's doing. <laughs> and then tell us how to avoid it. So you support him in his role as king talking about the planet. What a glorious thing. England is one of the foremost countries in the world and it has to lead. And it is. There are lots of... Do uh, something, man. In fact, you know, you could say the English are more conscious. The, the, their gardens are preferably overrun than That's manicured. Yeah, they living nature in, in a, a way take over. Uh, no, it's an English tradition. The countryside and the livestock and dogs and, and sheep and no, 
England can lead the way along with any other country that wants to exist. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> that wants to exist. Literally, like it's we're seriously we're wiping ourselves out. Like this is all right. He's actually going to say exactly what I was just. Gonna You've say. previously raised concerns of the war in Ukraine taking the attention away from the climate emergency, and now we, of course, have the conflict in Israel and Gaza. How do you feel about that? The the human tragedy is going on everywhere is heartbreaking. The fact that these two punishing wars are siphoning off the the time, the mechanics, the people, the intensity towards global warming is maybe our final, final chapter, the irony that war, which we've been continuously since we've come out of the caves or even in the caves, making war on each other, the irony of making war on each other is our also the period in our existence. It's heartbreaking. So, yeah, it's kind of Star Trekky too. Yeah, you know, you know, the, we couldn't get to space uh, to the to the to the degree that we needed to get to space mm -hmm. um, until we all worked together. Yeah, quit fighting. Yeah, that's a that's a Star Trek lore thing. Yep, and that's what he said. Was just like all everything else we talk about how culture wars are distraction from economics, mm -hmm. right? Like it's all distraction. These wars are distraction from climate change. It's like let's enrich our our defense contractors and as long as we're doing that you're not going to bitch that we're enriching our uh oil companies like well it's a tragedy yeah all right we're gonna have to you've made it clear that before you leave the surf you would like us to all get our act together and try and do our bit to try and prevent extinction I, i've think... got a children's album that we're ready to announce, getting ready to put it out there. I don't That's know what the so is, but it's a children's album aimed at sing, uh, doing musical numbers, the entanglement of all life. He, so this is going to sound aphids, like Alan, Alan songs. Ants take care of the aphids, they milk the aphids, the aphids take care of the ants. Mushrooms and trees. Trees talk to mushrooms. See, I can't believe it. You don't know this. Along <laughs> mycelium uh, things, strains, the fruit of which is uh, mushrooms, mycelium fungi that connect with uh, all growing things, especially trees. The trees use the mycelium fungi the, for sending electrochemical signals from the tree to the younger tree. There's a mother tree taking care of the young. They talk. He's absolutely correct. I know. I know he sounds kind of ranting old man, but he's absolutely correct. That's, I, I was going to say, like, oh, say it now. Like, if this sounds like rambling nonsense to you, it's because you're ignorant. No, because you're not enlightened. Most people don't understand this. It's not about an ignorant thing. Most people don't understand the way the world is connected. They don't. They don't see it. And so this sounds like I mean, gibberish. I learned this from a documentary. Okay. Well, congratulations. You out of line from a documentary. Most people, that doesn't stick. Most people, it doesn't go that deep. Oh, I see. You're hurt. talking the actual, like, connection of all things, not this specific connection. Oh, right. I got you. I got you. Yeah. 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 No, nothing can survive without... Everything, everything else. else. Everything yeah. implies everything else. Is oh, what was it? Uh, the first cosmos. In order to create.
create an apple pie, you must first create the universe. Right. Woo. Yeah, exactly. You, can, you can't have one without you can't have one apple without yeah. millions of years of, right. of trees and animals and everything. Exactly. Like but yeah, so it's like this, it, it may not make sense, let's just finish, but like this is kind of the language of the universe. Like if it the, if it doesn't make sense, it's because you don't have that enlightened view of the way things are connected. Like, yeah, that most view people don't. Everything. Most people don't. And to me, that's incredibly sad. Mm -hmm. Like that it's so isolating to think of that people would feel so disconnected. Do you think that's what he got from being in space yeah. and seeing the planet? Yeah. That thing? Yeah. It's exactly yeah. that's the thing. It's really common, and somehow fucking Jeff Bezos didn't. Jeff Bezos came back with dollar signs in his eyes still. <laughs> like he's the one that was in a position to do something about it, and he took away from that. Cool, let's move all of our uh, uh, industrial shit to space. Let's pollute space, but like we've got to have to destroy the Earth to get everything up there. So, but but no, he he became enlightened from this. He saw the world Earth for what it actually is. And not enough people on Earth see Earth for what it actually is. If it did, if they did, we wouldn't fight these fucking yeah, wars. And you're 70 years old. Yeah. Or however old. Yeah. I mean at least he got there. Yeah. Most people yeah. never get there. Yeah. Isn't it quite sad that you're having to put an album out for children to teach them the basic well, it isn't sad. It's, I mean, should it's to me what's sad is that I'm saying to you, do you understand that that how connected the ox pecker on a rhino? The rhinos, you know, ox pecker is a bird on my back. The bird is eating uh, 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 things growing on its back, eating the the debris the on a rhino. So the ox pecker, peck, 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 not too hard. The song, <laughs> the ox pecker, the rhino. It's a, so the kid is listening. Peck, peck, what's peck? Or uh, I chomp, 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 when I chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> and it's a beaver cutting down trees. Off. Some people, I, I can't get the lyrics in front of me, but it, the gist of it is some people think I shouldn't be talking about trees, but I'm making moisture. I'm setting up ponds. I'm going to get the, and you're teaching children how uh, an old beaver uh, makes a pond. I love this. Yeah. What? <laughs> I thought it was just chomping down trees. Yes, but it's laying in a network. How incredible does the little newborn beaver know how to push the logs together? I mean, even that, What if you point that out to a child, surely that's got to elucidate, holy moly, that's magical. No, it isn't. It's nature. Yeah. That, so, that's beautiful. Yeah, this is the language of the universe. Yeah. That's, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, this is exactly who should be making a children's album. Right. Someone with this but, frame of mind. But do you see the guy interviewing him Thinks he's talking gibberish because yeah. he doesn't get it. Absolutely, but, they're in they're in different realities. Yeah, yeah. No, he but like I get this. This makes sense to me. This Perfect is, sense, yeah, but not not to everybody. It's what happened in three point eight billion years of evolution. All those things are hanging around. Everything's intelligent. Everything is intelligent. The worm. 
the worm. Everything is intelligent. Like, mm. the, I, 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 I don't need argument to that. Um, yeah. So cool. Yeah. And as I said, I'm glad he finally got there. I just wish it would have been, you know, a long time ago. And I wish they the rest of us... had a bigger audience. Yeah, and yeah. I wish the rest of us could get there. At least the ones of us in charge. Yeah. There's not a single person in fucking Congress who this would make any sense to. No. All the people in charge would think this is gibberish. Let alone the dog or the horse or the tree. What would you say to people who will sit, they'll listen to what you've had to say, and perhaps their response is, oh, he's a bit doom and gloom, isn't he? Yes, I am, aren't I? <laughs> um, Thank you I like it to somebody who's overwhelmed with a mortgage and a doctor's payment and says, oh, geez, I, I'm not making about my... Let's go to the movies. Let's get a and take a hike because it's overwhelming. The the potential of the future is overwhelming. So you, you, it's only human nature. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to. There's no no time to take off now. Let me. Yeah, yeah we've already done those things. Right. Yeah. Well, he's right, though. Like, that is human nature to yeah. just get overwhelmed by the scale of I'm like, nope, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to call this guy crazy and go on with yeah. my day. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Stick my head in the sand. It's heavy. It's yeah. hard. It is. Yeah. You're looking your own extinction in the face. Right. That's really hard to do. Not not great. Right, this is funny right here. I don't know that most people are capable of doing that. No, that's what, Whether it was understanding it or believing it or any of that. I don't know. That's deep, man. Let me ask you, would you consider running for office? Would you at all consider a political career? No. No, I, I, it's so much easier to curse them. <laughs> that is a great line. Put them running for office, it's just easier to curse them. <laughs> <laughs> but you care so much. Well, I care about the earth. I cry for the earth. I weep. I look at the earth. I look at these things, and I, it brings me to such sadness. Mm -hmm. I mean, I everything is connected. You understand that? You understand that in the in the uh, primitive seas, the the cells, the cell work that was going on. There were cells absorbing each other. They were. They were beginning to feed each other and grow in the uh, uh, primitive uh, ocean. And then slowly that came out and it became grasses and then it evolved into all the things. You understand, we're not like, oh yeah, we're, oh yeah, we're like a tree. We are the tree. We've come from the same place. Well, yeah, I like that way of framing I, it. If you follow the tree back far enough, we're all made of the same stuff. Well, Alan Watts talks about, like, the bee and the flower, right? You cannot have bees without flowers. Mm -hmm. And you cannot have flowers without mm -hmm. bees. So, therefore, they're essentially one organism. Mm -hmm. Like, then, so, that's what, like, we're all trees. Mm -hmm. We're all, we're all connected to all of the things. 
And now do you see why I set out and filed this under religion <laughs> versus culture? Mm. <laughs> like, it's climate change, but it's still, I feel like it's very spiritual. If you do that uh, thing about where, where your background is, you know, you send away for it. If it went back far enough, you say, yeah, they merged yeah, from the primordial sea. 23 and me uh, for three. 4,000 <laughs> a billion years ago. Yeah. There's no difference between us. Between you and between me and between my dog and me and between that butterfly. There's nope. no difference. We all have our intelligence. Yep. We all have our way of doing things. The interviewer sitting there all, like, oh my God, this guy's I mean this fucking nuts. <laughs> what is this guy on about? He's babbling about grass and bugs in a religious dogs. sense, but by the fact that we exist. The fact that we exist. So, you, so what's your one wish before you see he like just he can't even observe it so he just he just changes what did he ask what is one wish what yeah I'll back it. Uh. but yeah he just he can't he can't even engage with it because he doesn't get it and so he just lets him finish talking and then moves on because yeah. he doesn't he can't ask a follow-up he doesn't he can't it doesn't grasp it enough to ask a question right exactly the fact that we exist. So, you, so what's your one wish before you leave us? <laughs> I'm not going to leave. <laughs> I refuse to leave. That's <laughs> about having too much fun. Uh, what would I say to just what I've just said? I've, I've mouthed off long enough. I've made people angry enough. <laughs> what's he talking about? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Then they're right. To many people, you are a national and they're treasure, right. the epitome of a, of a legend. Hmm. They often look back at your career. They talk of Captain Kirk and the fact that that Yay. character has been able to have that generational crossover. Yeah, it's... it's uh, Especially now. Yeah, I don't know. With the word delight, yeah. it's delightful. It's uh, more like uh, ominous. It's like... Uh, Pleasure. It's say something like this almost ten you know, people. It's a variety of things to be told that I I made it. Uh, I chose my job because of you. What? You know. I hope you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wait, you did what? You chose your job because of me? Oh, I hope I you mean, like it. Seriously, what? Like five different people have played Kirk in something. Yep. Besides him. Yep. And so they definitely chose that job. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Do you ever? It's so funny too, because like, I mean, obviously I love Star Trek, but God, his acting was fucking. Terrible. Oh, it was terrible. Oh my God, like, he so did bad. improve. Like no, I've yeah. seen stuff he's done since then. Yeah. Um, but no, but he acting was not back then was bad point. too. Like just all acting yeah. back then was bad, so it's not just him. Yeah, but even for the time compared to that, like, yeah. yeah, that's true. All right, let's keep having the back of your mind yes. the phenomenon that it would become and the history that it no, that, that it would make. Nobody knew. Nobody knows to this day. This the thing I I uh, repeat sometimes is that when we were shooting after the my series was over. And about five, six years later, they were talking about doing movies. So we made a movie and then they burned the sets because they figured that was it, one movie. Then we made another movie. They burned those sets. 
Oh my God. I'm told later, well, it's cheaper than storing them. To remake the set is cheaper than putting them in a, on the stage. And yet I know. Well, that's a good way. I had a great time. Go see it. And there's no talk about any future Star Trek until it started to, you know, <laughs> they started to pop out of the sky. All these iterations of Star Trek, the different characters, and everybody loves them. And it's incredible. It's inc it's a showbiz phenomena. I think yeah. it's interesting that he doesn't talk more about what that contributed to climate change. <laughs> Burning up all of those sets right. over and over right. and over again. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, this guy actually like met and hung out with Gene Roddenberry, mm -hmm. right? Like all the new ones, that's not the case. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. like Gene Roddenberry was very, very into this. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we're destroying the planet. We need to figure it out. If we don't get together, we're gonna die. Right. That phenomenon, as I mentioned, has crossed over the years and has continued to to resonate with people. I mean, I'm 31 years old. I was very excited to come and see you today. Oh, how wonderful. On the and now are you filled with disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you say when you leave the doors. I was so excited to you come and see you. Okay, I'll tell people. Not, yeah. a, not at all. What I wanted to ask you was there are people nowadays who are looking for inspiration. There is so much doom and gloom in the world. What would you say in terms of the one thing that you've learned in, in living life and, and do, being positive? Do something. Do something really well. Do something, whether it's clean your shoes or, or help some old lady across the street or work for a, somebody who's starving. Give. Give a little of yourself. Somebody asked me about legacy. Yes. And I said, there's no legacy. You see statues being torn down, even the, you know, the Sphinx is eroding. And there's no, no legacy. The only legacy in this world is good deeds. If you do a good deed, whether you give money to a charity or help, uh, you know, a child across the street or whatever the good deed is, that'll reverberate. That goes on forever in its tiny little waves of gratitude. That's the only legacy. Helping a child does to that child's brain when it's 15 years later and it helps somebody or makes a big discovery and it buried in its psyche, long since recognition that you're being kind to that child made that thing on earth happen. William yeah. Shatner, it has been possibly one of the most enjoyable interviews that I've ever done. Oh, thank my you. goodness, thank you. That could make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> you going to cry? No, I won't, but it could. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. There we go. That's awesome. Um, so that is our apolitical palate cleanser. Um, if you have any... Uh, questions or anything you want to touch back on before we wrap up uh i, I no, but i want to throw out there um they basically did the same thing when they started the next generation yeah the the next iteration of star trek after shatner's mm -hmm. movies and shows um patrick stewart did not unpack his suitcase oh i remember that 
for for I think the entire first season. Like yeah. he was like, this is not going to last. This is not going to do anything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think a, a bunch of people on the crew were that way. They were very surprised. By yeah. The, uh, by the uh, what do you call the, it? the reception? reception. Yeah. yeah. Came out. Only person who wasn't surprised was Lucille Ball. She saw it for what it was going to be. She knew it. Oh, even back on the first one? Yeah, she yeah. Was, she was one of the reasons it got greenlit. Oh, I remember that yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. one of my heroes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then I think that does it. Uh, so let's uh, wrap up with our silver lining closing. So we know the topics we cover can be bleak, so we want to try and end our episodes on a positive note. If we can't find a silver lining anywhere in the topics we covered, we'll take a moment to share something we're grateful for today. If today's silver lining is all of those solidarity rallies, rallies uh, for the Palestinian people just worldwide, mm-hmm. everybody standing up all over the world saying this is wrong, and different colors of people. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's all over, and it's it's this is wrong. You, this is I mean, it's genocide. It's murder. It's mm-hmm. like and and not having it. You're not gonna get away with this and lying to us about it anymore. So like. I, I am grateful that the propaganda machine of Israel is failing, and that's my that's my silver line. Uh, so I also said I want to start adding a uh, a quote at the end of each show. Um, generally going to do Buddhist spiritual. That's just kind of my realm. But if anybody has suggestions for some cool quotes, you can also send them my way. So today's quote uh, is from Daisaku Ikeda, who was the third president of the Soka Gakkai. He passed away just recently. Um, the quote is that we take pains to protect weapons while we expose children the future of the race to peril is impermissible to ignore this absurdity will spell defeat for humanity we must not live to destroy we have the spiritual power to create peace and happiness so that's our show we hope you'll join us next time just a quick reminder to head on over to our website at divergentpolitics.com for links to all of our socials membership signups, and the DT merch store. Good night. Good night, everyone.